You guys ready? Ready. Mm, ready. All right. There's the alert. Here we go. Hey now, hey everybody, this is Johnny Bean, welcome, it is February 11th, 2022, 8.09 p.m. Eastern, 5.09 Pacific, welcome to exclusively Van Halen, the weekly EVH show. Again, my name is Johnny Bean, here we are, we got Kurt5150. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for having me. Good evening. We got Rob Johnson, the great. Always great to have you, man. Thank How you are very you? Much. Thank you very much. Having Kurt, a good time without you, but that's okay. Johnson, <laughs> man. Well, hey, hey, you guys. We have a very special guest tonight. But before we bring him in. Let's say hello to the executive producers here on Johnny Bean TV, here on YouTube. We have channel members. If you'd like to become a channel member, click that join button below. And the top tier are the executive producers, Dave Ennis, Final Freak 5150, Mike Neese, Music Therapy Laz, Majestic PB and J Cat, Wayno, False Flag, Sherman Callahan, Andy Carson, Michael B, R Habs, Warlag, the Chad, Lawrence Christensen, Lenny Lou and Mary, James Gum, John Moronic, Paul Martin Woods, I gotta take a breath, Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, the captain who was on the Monsters of Rock cruise with our friends in Nerd Halen tonight. He is flying, he's Very driving the boat. Cool. Controlling Very the boat, whatever you yes. call it. Yes, <laughs> I think we'll hear more about that tomorrow night on John Beale's Saturday night. Thomas Santiago, Joe Christian, Jim Roy Hawkins, David Allen Wright, and Steve Carmichael. Yes. That's the top tier of channel members here on Johnny Bean TV, here on YouTube. Become, an, become a channel member, help support the channel. And uh, if, you like, if you're not ready for channel membership, any super chats will change the color of my lights behind me. It's uh, a special feature. If you'd like to help support this channel, support these shows. And uh, let's see, we're live on Facebook, where we have Facebook stars, and we're actually live all over Facebook, the exclusively Van Halen Facebook group, just under 63,000 members, EVH Gear Live Facebook group, and Facebook page, and uh, everywhere, oh my gosh, live everywhere, everywhere, so uh, Kurt. Johnny, Johnny. one more person that wants to oh. say hello. Barney. Barney. Oh, Barney. Hey, Barney. Barney Fife. <laughs> with his one, with his one bullet. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, hey, everyone in the chat, um, Johnny, Rob, we have an excellent special guest tonight. This man has been interviewing musicians and guitar players for the last forty-six years. 
16 cover stories on magazines like Guitar Player, Guitar World. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. He's done some amazing interviews with artists like Ozzy Osbourne, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, Prince, Bruce Springsteen, and Randy oh, Rhodes. Yeah. This guy Whoa. has been an actual friend, a confidant, and a musician with the one and only Eddie Van Halen for over 20 plus years from the beginning before the 78 album came out, Mr. Steve Rosen. Guys, V, V for Van Halen, right? Hey. Thanks, guys. Thank hey, you very man. much. <laughs> nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor. I'm sure to I missed you. a few. I'm sure I missed a few accolades, but you know we didn't want to drag it out for five yeah. minutes, so we cut it down a little bit. Gotcha. That was five minutes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But we're we're going to cut you off next time. You're kind of long. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, buddy. So. Man, thanks, guys. Steve, that, man. I thanks, mean, guys. I mean, I, I mean, you've you've been on the show before. But I, I probably told you, you know, I've, I've been a huge fan of your work for a lot of years, and it's just incredible to, to be able to talk to you and 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 hear some uh, some great stories. And we're looking forward to some great stories coming up in your your brand new book. Where is it? Yeah, Tone Chaser. Good. There it is. There we go. Nice. Nice. Yes. Fantastic cover by Niels Lozauer. Um, you yeah. guys probably think you've seen that shot before, but I don't think you have. You've seen shots from that session, mm -hmm. yeah. but that particular shot I don't think has ever been seen anywhere before. I know that Slow's never had that in any of his books, and I don't think I've Amazing. ever seen it anywhere. Um, uh, I, I, I just I, I just really love that. I, I, I have to say here that mm -hmm. I've known Neil since... I think 74 and he has been just an unbelievable champion for me. And, you know, he's helped me out if I've ever needed anything and he's made phone mm -hmm. calls for me. Um, he was actually incredibly generous enough to give me some photos for the book, including right. that cover shot. And um, he's just an unbelievable guy. Uh, Neil actually has a, a book of his own coming out. Uh, I'm not sure when, um, perhaps later this year, called June, Ed by Slows. And it's uh, oh, 300, 300 of his pretty much unseen color photos. And I've seen them and they are, they're just remarkable. Daniel Gray uh, art directed uh, Neil's book. And I actually got him to come and, and help me put mine together through Neil's um referral and mm -hmm. uh uh daniel went through every photo in that that neil had of, of of van halen and you know neil had a uh you know his yardstick was much higher than everybody else's so he'd yeah. see a, a photo and if you know the cup in the corner was out of focus that's no good i can't use it and <laughs> daniel was telling him no these these photos are are, are freaking unbelievable so the shots you're going to see in there are, are just oh my god, yeah. I mean I mean he's the greatest in my mind he's he's well I think he's maybe the greatest rock photographer I've ever seen. Jim Marshall was pretty remarkable, um, 
but um, uh, in terms of Van Halen photos, I don't think anybody did what Neil did with Van Halen. Anyway, that's my yeah. shout out to Neil, and um, we, you know, we I, support I just love Neil. that cover. And, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. Neil's amazing. Cool, dude. I, I yep. ran into him at the Nam show one year and and ah. uh, talked to him for a few minutes, and yeah, he was very cool. Yeah, yep. very and both cool. Rob and I have yeah. his books, Neil, and we'll we'll buy the new one when it comes out, right, Rob? Well, you'll yeah. buy, you'll yeah. buy me a copy because you owe me money. But yep, exactly. <laughs> I paid for drinks the last time we went out, dude, and you like, spiked my drink, and then like you know, so you owe me. No. Oh my no. goodness! No, we're, we're definitely check gonna the, we're, yeah. yeah check yeah. the tape. Gonna, he's, got some, <laughs> he's got some amazing, amazing books. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, Neil's amazing. What? Yeah. Um, Go ahead. What? Obviously, we'll get into the conversations about, you know, the interviews you had with Edward and, and all that, because they're just so amazing. Yeah. I listen to them all the time. Um, what what um, inspired you to create this book? This book had a very long birth. Um, some of you may know, uh, and I keep going back to this story, and I write about it um, in depth in the in the book. So the book itself is sort of a book about a book that you're not reading kind of a thing. Um, so back in 85, uh, I, I had been friends with Ed um, for about seven years at that point. And, you know, 1984 had just come out and he was, you know, I, I mean, he was just this amazing guitar player that everybody in the world was kind of looking at. And, you know, I thought to myself, Writers are going to come out of the woodwork. You know, they're going to want to write. A, they're going to write. Want to write Edward's biography, and I right. thought, fuck that. You know, there's nobody that can write a better one than me. And not saying that I was the greatest writer in the world because I'm not. I'm a very good writer. Uh, there's certainly better writers, but nobody had that relationship that I had. And I thought that's special. I, I thought that's incredibly special. So I approached Ed to make a long story short about that. Um, he said yes, and I actually typed up like a little one paragraph contract. Um, I, Edward Van Halen, give Stephen Rosen permission to write my authorized biography. Nobody else can do it, you know? And for some fucking stupid reason, <laughs> I never signed it. He signed it. I never oh. signed it. So at the end of the day, he could have said, hey, man, you didn't sign it. But the truth of it is, and I actually talk about this, book. I don't think he even looked at the contract. It, it, it just didn't matter to him. He just, <laughs> and that stuff wasn't important to him. Yeah. So I started interviewing lots of people, you know, his friends and musicians he had played with, um, mm -hmm. you know, guys who were promoting shows, all kinds of people. I mean, I was getting some fantastic stuff. Um, so let's move ahead. Um, 2003, um, things happen and um, kind of our friendship ends. Um, and I talk about that in the book. And so for the next, what is it, 17 years, I mean, the book was never was never entirely dead in my mind, but I, I just I, I just couldn't see what the book was going to be. I mean, I hadn't mm -hmm. done all these other interviews I wanted to do with Ed, and I had this whole pile of interviews with these people, and I thought, well, how do I put this together now? And I, I could just never do it. And and the fact that I really wasn't talking, <clears throat> excuse me, talking to Edward, I thought. I, I don't really want to write the book. You know, he's going to see it or he's not going to see it and he's going to say something 
or he's not going to say something. And I, I, I just couldn't do that. Yeah. So I just let it go. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as I mentioned to you guys, and you can't see him, but my cat here, Arpeggio, is sitting in the back of my chair. Well, he started Arpeggio. in the middle of the fucking night because he was hungry. And I'm telling him, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And he'd meow and he'd walk over the bed and he'd walk over the pillow, you know, man. So I'd get up and I'd feed him. And then I'd try to go back to sleep. And now I'm wired. So one morning, yep. I, I just kind of walked in uh, to the computer room and I started writing. And I don't know if it's coincidence or maybe I knew it was. It was my birthday. August 24th, 2020. And I just started putting down notes. You know, uh, I met Edward in 77 and, you know, we hung out. I mean, I I didn't know where it was going. I honestly never believed it was going to turn into a book. And beyond that, I I, I truly never believed I'd I'd ever finish it. It was more just to put some ideas down, you know, was it catharsis? I don't know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I really don't know. And at the end of 14 months, 14 really hard months writing every single night, you know, I, I, I had the book, the book completed. So the book kind of snuck up on me. And that's how I kind of had to look at it. Um, uh, uh, Dan Fonte, who was John Fonte's son. John Fonte was an extraordinary American novelist. He wrote Ask the Dusk. Um, he was like a... Um, uh, uh, Oh, how can I, what can I, how can I like, who can I liken him to? Like a John Steinbeck, wrote, wrote those kinds of stories. Anyway, mm-hmm. his son was also an author. And he said to me, we, me once, man, I, I can't write a book, but I can write one page a day. I thought, wow, okay. Oh, yeah, so, you know, I sit there and try to fill up one single space, you know, mm-hmm. a page in Word a, a, a night at least. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I, I'm at the end. It's like, holy fuck, it's, it's done, you know. So... <laughs> I don't know if that was a long, long answer to your question, but um, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, I mean, it, it was the hardest thing I've ever written. It was the most satisfying. It's the best writing I've ever done. I mean, I I, I killed myself over every word. You know, I don't have any good words left. I mean, they're all there in that book, and um, you know, I hope people get a sense a sense of, of who Edward was, you know, beyond these, these other books that are out there. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, was it a well, labor before of love? we, I mean, I suppose I'm sorry, go ahead. Before we dive too deep into the book, cause that's why we're here. We want to, um, we want to give you the, the floor and uh, talk about whatever you want, plug whatever you want. Uh, I think Rob and I and Johnny all have some questions for you, but Johnny, I'm going to really yeah, quickly man, no, no, say go hi ahead. to no, everyone in the chat. Talk about anything. Go ahead. That's cool? Yeah. Yeah. So in the chat, yeah. um, let's say hi we to have Charlie here? S. Charlie S. Thanks for joining, Charlie. We got Holly Lewis. Holly, thanks for joining. It's good to see you. Uh, James Stewart. Uh, Keith Campbell, the one and only Keith Campbell. Good to see you, Keith. Uh, my uncle Leo, Leo Safko's here. Uh, the one really and only Mike, Mike Niece. Is that really your uncle? Is that really your uncle? Uncle Leo. Come on, Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have an uncle Leo. Anyway, uh, he's under the bed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you guys, I'm never going to be able to get through this, Steve. Sorry. Uh, music That's therapy okay. labs. Well, there are really a lot of people out there. 
Yeah. Uh, octopus ears. Nice. With all the tentacles, he's here. Uh, R2, R3, Locky Nut. What's up, man? Uh, Rick Green, Rock Daddy, Schmitty, a.k.a. Symmetry. We got uh, J708 Hannon. Who? <laughs> J Hannon. I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's the hey, uh, lead guitarist for, for Gizmachi. Uh, Thomas Santiago, Warlag. And uh, let's see. Halface also jumped in a little bit late. <clears throat> Thomas Santiago and Clayton James Hicks. What's up, Clayton? John Biel, fifty-one fifty. John Biel, for a minute. What's up, John Biel? And uh, <clears throat> Les Fallon and Kelly and Janice Lala. Janice, what's going on? Right on, right on. Yeah, we got about yeah. ninety people watching us live right now. And uh, anybody yeah, in the chat, if, if you have any questions for, for Steve, I'm getting questions sent to my Facebook uh, messenger right now. So so we can field some of those. Um, please put a cue in front of your question. There you go. And and we, we can uh, we, we can get to some of those or you can text them. You guys can text me. I have a phone number somewhere. And coming in late, the one and only Cameron Brown. From Scotland, and, Cameron. Uh, Cameron, what's up? Yeah, how you doing, Cam? And uh, Lenny Lynch, she's here as well. She must be just getting off work. Uh, well, I, I just wanted to say, guys, that I, I, I recognize some of these names here, um, and I know that some of these people have fantastically gotten pre-orders on the book, and I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's done that. Um, it's extraordinarily gratifying and, um, you know, you guys have put some remarkably, um, supportive comments like in the little PayPal. And that's, that's amazing to me. That stuff means a lot to me. Um, and I did want to mention one thing here. Is it Keith Campbell? Yeah. Who I believe had mentioned, and I never even recognized it until he pointed it out that uh, on the cover of the book, um, it's written up there um, in the photo, it's an actual chalkboard. And I never realized that uh, actually. And oh, he yeah. said, oh, it looked great if the, if the font was like in chalk. <laughs> I just thought that was a, a fantastic <laughs> idea, you know, but um, I wanted to give him uh, his uh, props for that. That was, that was very good. Anyone Very under cool. uh, the age of 25 wouldn't know what a chalkboard is. Yeah, that is very true, man. <laughs> I was going to uh, ask you guys, what's a chalkboard? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> funny. They're coming back, though. They are coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Chalkboards, yeah. yeah. No, Steve, I think, uh, I think you did a phenomenal job on the cover when uh, I went in to – order the book i ordered it uh the next day that that you put it out there um i was i was excited just seeing the cover um so i think it's perfect so great job oh that's the, cool the, man yeah yeah the, t the the name's perfect um uh, yeah that's great and rob you have a yeah. little uh you got a little story about that 59 last <laughs> call there um i do um i'll kind of tie it in a little bit to uh um 
one of Steve's interviews, I believe that he did with Edward, and I think it was in 1980. Um, the this is not the guitar, but in the um, actually in the video, or excuse me, in the in the book cover on Steve's book, uh, you can tell over in the right hand corner there is a Les Paul. And <clears throat> I'm not at um, I'm not at liberty to say where I saw that guitar, but it's but it's a Les Paul. And Stephen, in, in your interview with Edward back in 1980, you're asking him uh, one of the questions you ask him, or one of the pieces of discussion that you have with Edward, is about two Les Pauls. And Edward mentions that he has two of them that he purchased. One was pristine condition at the time, mm -hmm. which is 59 Les Paul, and the other was another yep. one that we played live, and he actually ripped the humbucking, uh, excuse me, the neck pickup out of it. And there's pictures of him playing that Les Paul live, um, the 1980 Invasion Women and Children First Tour. The one that was the pristine guitar, he Edward mentioned, I think, said something in the interview that you, when you interviewed him, that he was, um, he kind of kept that nice, and he's not going to take it on tour because it's more of a, kind of a somewhat case queen, more of a, yeah. you know, um, whatever. And Rob, um, one of them was a sunburst and the other one was a, a flame top. Yeah. The burst. Yeah. The burst. I believe the burst is the one that's in that picture. I'm not 100% sure. It could be. I'm not sure. However, the guitar, whether it was that one or whether it was the burst, I was lucky enough to actually play and handle three and a half weeks ago. Um, I can't discuss where I saw the guitar because I don't want to you know, um, give away the individual's name or, or anything, because I'm not sure that that particular um, person that owns the guitar now would, would, would want, you know, to have that information out. But uh, it's pretty interesting. I was lucky enough to actually play that Les Paul and handle it for probably about five to 10 minutes. Um, and I believe that individuals had the guitar for a number, maybe five, six, seven years. I don't know, something like that. So pretty cool. Stuff. Oh, and that's him calling right now. Yeah, yeah right. I think I think Eddie sold them. <laughs> I think Eddie sold them in '95 or '96 around that era. Yeah, both of them. Did he really? Yeah. yeah but uh, it's really cool interview that uh, the price was too good to be true, and he wasn't playing them. Uh -huh. He hadn't played them since uh, you know the mid '80s. So yeah, um, he figured he'd so get rid of them. Do, and, yeah. Do you guys know? Do you guys know how much he paid for those originally? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Well, read the book. Has it now paid for? It, but who's going to buy it? Yeah, who's going to pay? But no. Uh, he. Uh, uh, I'll give you just a little taste of that chapter. Uh oh. I, there's a knock on my door. I, I was living in Laurel Canyon, the Hollywood Hills, and it's Ed, and he would, you know, he would just show up. Once in a while, and I always, you know, welcomed him with open arms. I mean, you know, he just, you know, feel like coming over. So he comes over one day, and he walks in, and I have a, I have a very heavy screen door. It's like really thick mesh, hmm. and it's kind of hard to see, you know, who's out there, which is the whole point of this security screen door. So mm -hmm. I look out, and I can see it's Ed, and I can see he's holding two things. I go, what the hell? Yeah, I thought, you know. I thought at first I thought they were like dead animal carcasses or something, you know. Yeah, so so exactly. Yeah, you're doing your laundry. Cool, man. 
So he walks in and he's got these two guitars. And I, as soon, you know, as soon as I open the door, I go, oh, my God, look at these guitars. And there were the two Les Pauls. And anyway, he comes in and he kind of with no no case and he tosses them on my couch and they kind of <laughs> bounce around each other. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, oh he's my just going to, you know, they're going to they're going to chip each other. So anyway, yeah, he, he brought those guitars over. And I, I think you guys probably know he bought those from Norm's <laughs> Rare Guitars. Yeah. And yep. um, uh, Norm actually had a bit of a uh, falling out with Ed a little while later. I guess Ed called him and there was some discussion about a pickup, um, which I didn't really go into in the book because I never talked to Ed about it. And I only had Norm's side of the story. So I just kind of um, went over its surface. But in the book, I go into much more detail. And um, um, I'll even go so far as to tell you that Ed plugged the, uh, I think it was the 59. Uh, I had a Marshall stack at the time, and um, which I'd actually gotten from Jim Marshall, Marshall personally. When I was at the Marshall wow, factory, wow. that's another story. Nice. Uh, so awesome. Ed gets up and he plugs in the Marshall and he puts his hand right, you know, from, from right, left to right, across the top, everything's on full. And Ed's sitting there blazing. I have this on tape and it's not even to be believed. So that's all I'm wow. going to tell you. The book that's awesome. That's a great wow. story. Well, to answer Thanks, your man. question, Keith Campbell, uh, that is affirmative. I did play that guitar that Ed sold. Yes. Um, I can't discuss where. I can't tell you where. Ah, oh, um, no hints. Where it is? Wah, 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 wah. Is it behind you? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's my chip. <laughs> Ed, it was, you know, I'm gonna put everything to bed. It was actually a Chibson. A tiny, oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> um, I can't. I, I'm sorry. I, I will tell you three when we get off, but I can't discuss it online. Um, but I, I just. <laughs> Uh, I'm not trying to be one of those guys. I know something you don't know. I'm not trying to be that guy, but uh, it was uh, it was really very awesome to be able to pick up and hold and play. I couldn't even take pictures. I was not allowed to take pictures of it because it's just one of those things. But um, I was able to play the 59 Les Paul, the, 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 the more cream of the crop one that you're talking about, uh, yeah. uh, Steve, that Ed threw on the couch. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Incredible. Like, yeah, of course, because I'm, I play guitar and I'm sitting there holding the guitar and I'm like, I, I didn't even know what to play. I'm like, uh, 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 I was like, I didn't even know what to do. You're like, I, where's the Floyd? Yeah, I think I played the run of the riff. Yeah. <laughs> My brain just went, you know, like. Yeah, I think one was a 58 and the other one was a 59, right, Johnny? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. You guys know yeah. more of that stuff than I do. Yeah, they were. I mean, that I I only know that because you know that's Ed told me that. Um, yeah, um, but uh, they were unbelievable guitars. I mean, my God, they're just so Steve, you um, wow. you said the first time you met Ed was back in '77. Um, Correct. I think the first interview you did, or the one that's least on YouTube, is '78, and you did another one '79. You did another one in 80, and you did one in 86 after the 5150 tour. And, I, I mean, I'd personally like to get into all four of those interviews a little bit in a, in a little bit. But um, how did you – What wait, 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 Rob. Did you count the one before the album came out? Is that the 77 one? 
Yeah, did you say 77? Yeah, I did one in um, – uh, it's so hard to remember. Um, At the Whiskey, right? The first, well, that's where I met him. Yeah. Uh, the first interview I did was um, was before the record came out. Yeah, I think it was like December 77. And yeah, so yeah. The, the first record came out, uh, what, uh, February 78? Okay. So, um, I mean, what was so amazing about meeting him, well, meeting him was extraordinary, but um, I didn't really know. Well, I mean, I knew who Edward Van Halen was. Um, you know, everybody in Hollywood knew who Van Halen was. I mean, you know, he'd been playing the whiskey and the Starwood for a while by that time, but I had never, uh, excuse me here. Thank you, Leo. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Uncle Leo. Uh, I, I had never, for some bizarre reason, I had never, uh, I'd never heard him play. I didn't know what the band sounded like. I mean, I figured they were some kind of a hard rock band, you know, playing the Whiskey and Starwood. But I, I, I had no idea how this guy played. So when I met him that first night at the Whiskey, um, I just thought, yeah, he was just some, you know, guitar player from from Hollywood, you know, that was playing the strip. I knew his band had just been signed to Warner. So I thought they must've been, you know, pretty amazing, but I didn't know how he played. I didn't know any of that. Um, so interviewing the first time, um, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, not knowing that much about him, to be honest, you know, it was a, it was a phoner and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, it's so hard. I get my dates mixed up and which interview was which, but, um, 44 I just remember years ago. him being an. Uh, oh, is that all? Huh. Yeah. So why can't I remember? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, right, but, uh, Tony? Yesterday was the yeah. 44 year anniversary. Um, the only yeah. reason I know that is because I'm 44 years old. So <laughs> I'll say it on the air. The 44 year anniversary of the first uh, album was yesterday. The release of the first album. Yeah. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. So perfect timing yeah. on your part. Way, way to plan that out. Yes, you guys are so old. Yeah, exactly. Twenty-eight. <laughs> you guys are all old. I don't remember any of this Van Halen stuff. No. And, you know, and, and be, before we get into the <laughs> to the the specifics of the interviews, Johnny, can we put where everyone can buy the book in the chat, or can we talk or have yeah tell everyone? It's it's in night. My 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 friend Nightbot here, my my uh, my oh, moderator, actually has it in the chat. So if anybody, if if you need the uh, if you need Steve's uh, PayPal address to get the book, just type in exclamation point tone chaser, all one word into the chat, and that'll give you that'll give you the uh, his PayPal address. And everybody that's Sorry, watching everybody. the chat, I mean, if you guys really want to get a great book. And you guys really want to see some interesting stuff way beyond the YouTube interviews that you can hear of Steve interviewing Ed back in 77, 78, 79, 80, 86. If you really want to contribute to an incredible cause and get something that's, you know, not only interesting, but also a collector's item, please, um, you know, put in for that because that's going to be a, an incredible purchase. And it'll certainly help Steve and it'll help the whole Van Halen community as a whole. So I'm hoping we can really get some 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 push on that. I really am. We Keep are it alive. Keep I, it alive, I, right, Rob? I, I really appreciate it, guys. I mean, I I really do. Um, <clears throat> um, I ended up uh, 
printing the book myself. Um, I had sent it to um, an English publisher named Omnibus, who do some really fantastic oh, yeah. books. I've got some of their books. Yeah. And the guy there was telling me, man, you know, you were you were that close. You were that close, man. We were going to we we're going to take the book. And, you know, obviously I was disappointed when he passed. You know, and I wasn't quite sure what to do. And uh, somehow I, I was talking with uh, I think I, 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 I called Neil to say, hey, man, you know, any publishers, you know, I figured with his books, he has some connections. I knew his book was on um, uh, that really uh, his his books are on a really fantastic um, imprint, um, not Hachette. Uh, I can't think of it anyway. Um, at that point, you know, Neil being Neil goes, ah, man, publishing publishers are, you know, they're all fucking, you know, the big advances are gone. And man, I'm printing my own book. I go, really? He goes, yeah, man, I'm going to do it myself, man. I go, wow. Fuck you know, I, I've never do thought myself. about doing it. Exactly. <laughs> Anybody who knows Neil, you know, know he's the, the loudest, most abrasive fat fucker in the room, you know. No. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, but he, he, he's just an unbelievable guy. And uh, so he's like, ah, oh, no, do it yourself, man, do it yourself. So I started looking around for printers. Uh, I was actually first going to try to get it done through China, um, you know, and then, you know, uh, the pricing on the books was, was great. But then, you know, getting the books shipped over here was like, my, my God, I could have bought a, you know, I could have bought a new car. And I then, you know, with all the stuff going down. <laughs> Exactly. It would have been cheaper to fly over there. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and then all the stuff out here with the, you know, the LA ports and, you know, the COVID thing. It's like, yeah, man, your books oh. are at the port, you know, come, come get them. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go down to the LA port and, and, you know, with my truck and, and, and move my 2000 books. I don't oh, think so. So, you know, I let that go and I looked around for printers over here and, you know, they wanted like, you know, insane amounts of money and i finally just found this guy who like you guys is a hardcore van halen fan he actually knew some of my work and this guy has just been fantastic and so to make a long story short about people buying the book um you know uh, uh i mean I, I really tried to price it what i thought was fair and um again if a publisher was doing it he probably would have charged more money and i'd have nothing to do with it but um you know, um, it really is important to me. Yeah, I, I'd like to make some money. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I think that's a fair um, uh, opinion. But as much as anything else, I mean, yeah. I really worked really hard. And I think fans of Ed, fans of mine who've read my interviews and or heard them, I think the book just goes 10 levels deeper, you know, and um, I just think you're really going to dig the book, you know, so. That's awesome. Thanks everybody for all your support. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. Now, Steve, that I'm excited. Yeah. Johnny, me too. And, and I can tell you, there's three people right here that are absolutely purchasing the book and I'll probably get a couple of them. Um, and back to the Zlaws thing. Here's my impersonation of Zlaws. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's a great oh, guy. I, I, that voice is just that voice is just a little too polite and <laughs> so, you know, rough, rough it up a little. Right? Yeah, when I called Neil and told him, "Hey man, do you have any uh, 
Do you have the names of any publishers? He goes, you have to be a fucking idiot. What are you going to publish her for? You know? And then it was, so he sits there and he berates me for about five minutes. And then he says, yeah, do the book yourself. What the fuck, man? So uh, the guy, I, I love the guy. My guitar is getting painted right now, so I don't have the body. I actually have the neck hanging over there. But um, I'm actually going to be reaching out to Zlaz um, here pretty soon. I have his email address. Um, <clears throat> there is some, well, I can call it debate, but there is some discussion as of, and, and, oh, and Steve, yeah. I don't know if you know exactly what guitar I'm talking about. Um, it may ring a bell, but I'm Kurt and Johnny do. The circles that Eddie played back in um, – uh, 1981 in the Fair Warning Tour, which eventually turned into the Rasta guitar, um, <clears throat> has been kind of in this debate over the years as whether or not the it was actually black and white or midnight blue and white. And all the information we're getting, or I've been getting for the last 15 years, um, has been telling me it's actually midnight blue. Um, and I, I'm not going to get into the discussion that doesn't have anything to do with tonight's interview, but back to the Zlaz thing, if anybody has information on that, it would be Neil, because he's the one that took those rock photographs. And I'm really hoping this new book that he's putting out has some color pictures of the Circles guitar, because we're thinking that is not black, that is midnight blue. Yeah. Um, and I got to reach out to, uh, to Neil and, and find out, um, because from... Uh, uh, it is R2R3. It is midnight blue. I know that because Rudy painted it that it's midnight blue. Um, it's not black. Everybody's got it wrong because Rudy painted it and he said he painted it midnight blue. So um, it is what well, it is. Let's ask Steve if he remembers seeing that guitar. It was a little hard to make out um, uh, on your phone there, Johnny. I, I mean, is it the, it's black and white? Yeah, it's got. Uh, it's terrible. hard terrible. to see. Uh, Johnny might be able to get I mean, that better. Can, can you I, send me that picture? Did I ever see yeah. up to fifty one fifty? I mean, probably. I mean, he had guitars all over the place, you know, just lying on the floor and, you know, in racks. Um, I, I mean, I I honestly don't know. When you're talking about Rudy, you're talking about Rudy Laren. Yeah. And Mike, I don't think we'll yeah, know because the guitar is the Rasta now. So, I mean, we'd have to ask whoever owns the Rasta. They'd have to strip the paint off. We're, we're waiting to find some pictures of that guitar back in 81. And that's the only way we're going to know. But according to Rudy, he painted it midnight blue. And he went and got the paint. And Edward said, what's this? He goes, oh, whatever. I do. Edward says, just paint it. Because you got to remember that Edward was always trying to turn the corner on people because he was sick of people copying his guitars. And that was his little plug on turning the corner. There you go. And you can't tell in that. Yeah. Picture, but if you, if you really look at it in the right light, it's midnight blue. Uh-huh. And, and Rob, so I, wanna, I don't know if so you've I been ask, on. I want to oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Man. Real. I'll be real quick on Zlo's uh, website. Okay. You can actually go and look at all the photos that he has of Eddie throughout the years. Yeah, and yeah. you can buy Atlas them. icons, guys. Go yep. check it out. You can buy them. Right. And here's a picture. And, you know, of... you might be. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, and you might be able to uh, uh, um, get a hold of Neil through Atlas Icons. So if you want, I could give you I could give you his email. Um, but you know, if you ask him a question like that, you know, regarding 
you know, that, that, that is sort of a, sort of a peripheral question regarding his photos, um, you know, he be, might be inclined to answer. I mean, typically he said, I don't know what the fucking color is, but if it's a, a question, you know, about one of his photos, I mean, um, you know, he might he might take the time to answer um, yes. kind of thing. Attach, um, attach so a, I a girl add, in a scandalous add, bikini on the email, and he might answer it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Oh. Attach a photo of a girl in a scandalous bikini, he might answer it. Yeah, then he will. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to ask you guys a question here. So all of you guys, I mean, there's obviously a fairly large community of you guys who are. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so this yeah. is a friend of mine's. I didn't mean to cut you off, Steve, but just to put this thing to bed, there's a friend of mine that says that this is actually Midnight Blue. So you can tell this is Midnight Blue because it is. He painted it that. And you can tell it looks black in certain lights. And it was Midnight Blue. It was not black. And nobody got it right. But you can tell the light changes. And that's what Rudy painted it as. Mm-hmm. End of story. Cool. Cool. So what I wanted to ask you guys is, you guys have, I I mean, knowing the original color of one of Ed's guitars or what kind of pickup he had in the guitar, if it was a 58 or 59, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's become like religion for you guys. And I I mean, I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's just unbelievable that his, influence you know was such that you know every single thing that he did you know is so minutely kind of scrutinized i guess me in my fashion i've done the same thing i mean i've tried to it's more sort of the emotional side of it and you know why was ed the way he was and not specifically the guitar thing because you guys know infinitely more than i do i mean i you know uh, i mean i don't really know that much about his guitars that, that i just I just don't, but you know, it's just pretty amazing that you guys are that. I mean, laser focused on that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's oh. uh, it's unbelievable. Rob can honest. tell you what uh, tuners are on what guitar, what color string tree, jack plate. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, well, to be honest with you, Steve, you know it's funny because we look at you guys. You guys are the pioneers. Yourself, you know, um, Jazz Oberlet, those guys that interviewed Ed back in those days. Um, it's really interesting because everybody always, and this is not, this is, this is not a slam against EVH or Ed or Wolfgang or anybody or, 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 or Maddie or anybody. Uh, it's not, it's not because those guys, they're, they're the ones that know everything. Um, they've been there. We don't know anything other than what we've seen in pictures. However, mm-hmm. what we all need to remember as fans is Edward Van Halen doesn't, or didn't even remember what he did back in the eighties, a good friend of mine who knows who knew Edward very well had to remind Ed that he had a Kramer neck on the Frankenstrat. Ed was like, I never had a Kramer neck on the Frankenstrat. Well, yeah, you did. You had this Tom Anderson neck on there and you had the jump neck on there. And then another one, Ed did not even remember that because he's Ed's Edward was always looking forward. He didn't remember what color he painted the circles guitar. He didn't care about that. He was always chasing his tone he was always doing something new he was always into something else so you know people always make me laugh when they say well you got to ask this person or ask this person they don't remember because they're not geeks like we are they don't focus on the pictures they don't go back on the internet and scope this stuff out we do because this is what we enjoy this is what we love so 
we are the ones that focus on this. We are the ones that that hone in on it. And, and, and you know, that's the passion of what we do. That's why we do it, because we enjoy it. So it always makes me laugh when people say, oh, well, what did Ed say? It doesn't matter what Ed said, because I didn't remember, because Ed was always thinking something different. So unless he had that guitar, that 5150 Studios, you couldn't, he couldn't tell you. He didn't know. Um, you know, and, and that's why, that's what keeps the mystery alive. That's what keeps it fun. So we are on a quest as fans of EVH, Edward Van Halen, the whole catalog, to continuously learn and grow. And I'm learning stuff every single day. I don't know everything. I don't really know much of anything. I'm a small pea in a big pot of this whole thing. But what keeps it fun, <laughs> what keeps it fun is we're always learning. <laughs> and it's so amazing, Steve, when we have people like yourself that, you know, come out with, you know, these interviews hit YouTube or we have an opportunity like tonight to talk to you and find out little details. That's what keeps the spirit alive of the great, you know, the king. Um, and it's just so amazing to be part of this. We're the ones that sit in the background and are like, just enjoy all the work that you guys did all these years. Well, that's nice, man. And to um, continue with your thought about Ed not remembering. Yeah, the fact that Ed wouldn't remember what color guitar was that he painted yesterday. There are so many moments in the book where he doesn't remember. <laughs> I'm talking about big events that he does not remember. Right. I, I, I mean... I mean, to the point where I'm so incredulous. I mean, I ca I cannot even, I I I can't believe, I I can't believe this is true. I mean, right. And I'll just give you a taste of that. Maybe I've mentioned before. I had the great honor of introducing Ed to Blackmore, Billy Gibbons, and Les Paul. Wow. A week later. He never remembered, not only that I introduced him, I don't think he remembered ever meeting them <laughs> because I reference it somehow. And he'd look at me like, oh, you were there when I met him? Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, so yeah, for him not to remember that, it, I mean, that makes total sense to me. And I, I knew from the moment I started writing the book, that I had to get the chronology of, of my relationship with him as perfect and as accurate as I could. It's just the way I am. Yeah. It's, I don't, it, it's the archivist in me or the, the collector mm -hmm. or the documentarian. Uh, I don't know. But it took me, I mean, I, I swear to God, it took me like three months to figure out what night I actually met Ed. And I mean, that was so critically important to me. Now I could have written, yeah, I met Ed in 77 and that probably would have been good enough. You know, um, uh, you know, I mean, if we knew what month he, he had sought, they he had gotten the uh, deal in, you know, I could have worked back a month and yeah, I met Ed in, uh, you know, August 77. Yeah. No one's good. No. Right. No one's going to say anything, but so, I thought, how can I figure this out? I, I tried to track down people who were working at the whiskey at the time. Um, uh, my brother who was there with me that night. Um, 
Then I thought, okay, the whiskey, uh, it's a pretty cool site, has a, uh, a calendar, a history of all the bands who played there. And I thought, oh, my God, well, I know it was 77. I know it wasn't 76. I know he had signed a deal. So I, I had an idea of what that range was. So, so I go and look. And now we're right in the heart of the punk thing. Um, I would not have gone to the whiskey to see a punk band. I didn't like punk. Um, you know, there's no way I would have gone to the whiskey to see a punk band. So I'm looking to see if slotted in there was some band that I would have gone to see. Oh, I and see. on the other side of it, some band that Ed would have been there to see that night. I didn't, I didn't know if Ed was particularly a punk fan. I mean, I didn't think he was, he actually liked some punk stuff. Um, uh, uh, he would tell me later. Um, so I'm trying to think, you know, and I kept looking and I kept looking and, and I don't want to give it away, but I found the band, um, uh, that had drawn me out that night. And that's why I was there and why Edward was there. And I thought, Oh my God, this is fucking great. You know, I've got point zero. And, um, I mean, that's really, that's what took as much time as anything, um, was kind of researching, you know, or I, I'd have a interview on a tape and there was, there was no date on it, which I could shoot myself for. Cause I was pretty good about that, you know, so I'd have to listen to the tape and, and try to get a clue of when I did it. And certainly mm -hmm. if an album title came up, I knew. But sometimes it wouldn't come up and there'd be a vague reference to um, uh, something, you know, and I, and I try to put the thing together. So mm -hmm. in terms of you guys geeking out over that stuff, I mean, I geeked out heavily, uh, <laughs> you know, on trying to make the thing accurate, you know, and you know, pulling everything I had out of me to, to try and remember that moment. And, um, you know, what did he drink that day and how many cigarettes did he smoke? I mean, yeah. I just so wish, you know, and I suppose that's what everybody says after the fact, you know, I, I wish I'd been more, even more aware of what was going on and, you know, what car did he drive over that day? And, you know, but, I mean, I think I did a pretty good job of kind of resurrecting, like like we talked about, you know, these memories that go back, you know, 77, what is that, 47 years or whatever that is. 45 years. 44. So, yeah, 44. So Steve, Rob has a yeah. guitar there in his hand. Steve, uh, do you remember I, this guitar at ever showing you the drag? Oh, yeah. yeah. Look at that thing. Yeah, that was that was up at the house. I think yeah. it was on the cover of uh, maybe the second interview you did with him, right? Guitar World? No. No. Oh, okay. That was on the cover of um, – Was I think that was a John Sticks story, Guitar oh, for the Practicing okay. Musician, I think. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's how crazy Rob is. <laughs> did, you, did you build that? Um, so I'm going to give a little plug out to our good friend, Chris Locke and Donnie Ward. Uh, Chris uh, Locke, Locke Custom Guitars, did the body and the neck. And a friend of mine, Jeff Rich, did the paint job. I used to paint these things, but I don't have the patience anymore. And <laughs> I'm 48 years old and I don't have time to, I don't just have time to do it. So I just, I just, 
talk to my buddies who do it. And um, so I, I, yeah, I had it built and I put, I bought all the parts and put it together, but uh, a lot of custom guitars with the body and neck. And it's uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty wow. cool. It's pretty Dang, cool. Man. And on the, the story on this guitar, Steve, I don't know if you remember, but <clears throat> this was actually a black Gibson Explorer. Box. Charvel, Charvel. Oh, Char Charvel. I'm sorry, Kurt. You're right. hundred percent. And uh, it had a Dan Electro neck on at the time. And Ed gave this um, body to a guy by the name of John Sterry, who was a furniture maker. And he carved it and turned it into the dragon snake. And on the back of the real one, it says John, John, I think it's John F. Sterry, I think. So I actually used the same font and had the guy that painted it, Jeff Rich, put his initials on it. <laughs> so font. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool guitar. Um, at the EVH Con, the guys played Light Up the Sky from Van Halen 2 on this guitar. And it, it I mean, it just, it nice. just, it just, it just rips. So it's a cool guitar. The dragon is like that. Cool. <clears throat> Thought you get a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. Ah. It's amazing. My cat won't let me hold him like that. <laughs> yeah, this Rob collects guitars. I I have I have uh, Ned right here. Ned. This is my guy. Yeah. Kurt holds me like that sometimes. But <laughs> so steve um hopefully everyone in the chat um a majority of them either have already purchased the book or places an order tonight um it'll be kind of cool to see how many additional orders you get tonight after the show but um what's the estimated uh release date i know you have a, a month or two buffer there but what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A month or two bumper. That's a polite way to put it. Well, yeah. since I've never had a book printed before, I had no idea what the turnaround time was for a book once everything was at the printers. So mm -hmm. uh, even backing up a step, um, you, you know, the, the, the book, you know, needs to be formatted. You know, unlike a publisher where you just, you know, Send, send a, you know, a, a, you know, word manuscript, you know, 350 pages of, you know, of, of a manuscript, you, mm -hmm. you know, the book has to be formatted, you know, and you, and, you know, if you guys have seen, I think you guys read books, right? I'm kidding. So you got, you know, you got the margins, you know, and that's a thing. And, and, you know, um, uh, it's uh, when, when the, when, when the text, uh, lines up right and left. It's and there's a term, and my guy Daniel Gray told me, um, uh, you know, so to get that, you know, so some of the letters need to be spaced out, you know, so it, you know, yeah, and right then, you know, doing the, the cover bottom. is a is a, exactly. So I mean, it's a thing, you know, and and um, you know, everything's got to be indented, you know, so he's got to go through, uh, you know, and and get the font face, and you know, you, you have to go through and format basically every line you know because every line is is different you know they're different so getting uh the book formatted properly um will take him about a month and and daniel i mean this is what he does he art directs for wow. honda and uh nestle's i mean the guy's fantastic um so somebody like him you know you know it's like a month 
So I, I've, I've asked the printer, you know, what's your turnaround time? And basically they say uh, six or seven weeks. So initially, I think I was saying uh, I was going to have the book kind of like by March or April, thinking I'd have the book ready by kind of January. That didn't happen. Um, the book should be done and formatted uh, by the end of this month. So the printer will have the book March 1, God willing. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, I kind of default to the kind of the far end of it. So let's call it eight weeks. Let's call it two months. So I'm hoping at the end of April, is that right? End of April, beginning of yeah. May, you know, I'll start shipping out the books. And um, um, uh, what I've done just to try to be fair is the way that I've uh, sort of got the um, orders in is that the people who kind of ordered first will get their books first and then, you know, just kind of work back chronologically. Yep. So, um, <laughs> your yeah. last, Bert. So, last. Ah. no, John, Johnny and I, we ordered, uh, I think the next morning that you announced it, right? I can't. Yeah. I, I ordered the I, second I really it was announced. I ordered one. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I mean, some of you guys may know. I, I mean, I, I've done, uh, I've done seven books previously. And Rob, you had mentioned earlier that I interviewed, uh, uh, Prince and, and Springsteen. I never actually interviewed them, I wrote books on them. Um, you know, uh, but, but I never interview, interviewed them. I sort of put them together from, uh, you know, reference stuff. And I, I interviewed, uh, you know, guys who had played with, with the uh, Prince and, uh, his engineer and people who had played with, uh, Bruce and stuff. Um, right. but, um, uh, the point being, yeah, I mean, those books took me mm, probably like three months to, to finish. And like I said, this book was 14 months. And beyond all of that, I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've waited so long to do the book and it took me so long to do it that, you know, to finally have the book in my hand to see it, you know, and know it's this real thing. I mean, um, I mean, I, I think I'll be as jazzed as, you know, hopefully you guys and, you know, the fans are about having the books in their hands. So, yeah, um, yeah man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I really am. Steve, what was the... Um... Knowing that the interviews that you that you did that have been, you know, have been out on, you know, for the public and just enjoying every second of it. I, I remember, I think, in the 78 interview, <clears throat> you're, you know, you're 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 asking Ed about the breakdown at the end of of you really got me. You're like, how did you do this little you go, you know, you even said you go like that. And, you know, and, just gets on and he's playing acoustically. I, I think he must've been playing a strat. I don't think he had his Frankie because he was talking about the bar doesn't go down low enough or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you asked him about, I think ain't talking about love. Like, and, and Ed's like, Oh man, it's simple. It's like two chords. You know, he plays the intro to ain't talking about love, which is my favorite Van Allen song. I mean, it, it, you can hear your, in the interviews, you can hear your, your um, reaction to Ed, who's just like your normal everyday next door neighbor, just hopped out of the swimming pool, came over, had a cheeseburger at the cookout, and you're just sitting there like yeah. talking about these riffs. And he's doing the little, you know, he's playing the, the solos to Beautiful Girls and all these different songs. And what was, at what point, I guess my question is, did you say to yourself, wow, this fucking guy is insane. There is a, a magical talent here that this guy's going to go, like, he's just going to explode. You know, 
you guys might shoot me for this. Um, so yeah, so I'm sitting there and, um, you know, yeah, I asked him about that ending little riff in, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Daniel Gray just <clears throat> texted me here and he said something about the, uh, Format and stuff. Anyway, Daniel, if you're listening, um, um, the art, thanks, Daniel. Art Get back to work. Director. The art director. <laughs> you Carry know, on. We talk about that little, that last little riff in uh, "You Really Got Me." I just thought it was so unbelievable. And then he plays it, you know, and, and it, it, there's so many points, there's so many ways I can come at this question. But let me let me go to the heart of it. What I was going to say initially, I don't know if if if, if it was in this interview where he's playing the um, Deep Purple stuff. Is he yeah. playing Highway Star in one of those interviews that I have on YouTube? Again, I can't remember if it was what you know where he played what. I had seen tons of guys play that Highway <coughs> Star. Um, Solo, you know that 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 you know, da, 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 you know, and the, and that that triplet thing that that Richie gets going, and yeah. to me, as sort of a a good guitar player, not a great guitar player, I I could never get it. I had heard really good guitar players who could play it, but they still never had that pulse and that 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 triplet thing that that Richie had. Well, Ed, when Ed was in the house, you know, we started talking about purple. He goes, yeah, we used to do Highway Star or something. And he starts playing that. At that moment, I said, oh, my God, this guy is really that fucking good. Sitting, you know, three feet away from him, him playing my Strat, not plugged in. And to play that, it's like you see him on stage and he's got his rig and the sound is amazing. And you hear him on record and his guitar sound is amazing. But you hear him, you know, he's in your front room and he's playing these parts that, I mean, I've, I've heard that song a thousand times, you know, and I know how fucking hard it is to play. I'm not saying it's the hardest song in the world to play, but he played it so effortlessly right. and right. so perfectly. And I thought, holy fucking God, I thought this to myself, <laughs> this guy really is a fucking extraordinary guitar player, yeah. you know, and really it was that. Um, and then he did the Crossroads solo. And I thought, which yes. I think is one of the greatest solos ever. But, you know, he like emulated Clapton's finger vibrato, which is probably the most flawless finger vibrato that's ever been put on record. In my mind, there was nobody who had finger vibrato like that. I mean, you know, come on. And he did that, you know, and he hadn't played the song in a while. And he's, you know, it comes to one point, he's kind of noodling and he can't think of it, you know. And, he kinda, and then he gets it, you know, and like you can see, you know, that, that fucking, you know, memory Real muscle turning. kicking in. So yeah. Though, yeah, man. So those are the moments when I thought, oh my God, how extraordinary is he? And then as time went on and he'd come over and you know, he'd be he'd be playing me the tracks and and you know with, with no vocals. And, I, and and it's hard for me to remember if there was even bass on these tracks. I mean, there probably was probably bass and drums, but certainly no vocals. And I'd hear his guitars naked and I'd go, oh God. Wow. Yeah, then, but then you know you'd watch them up close and you can't. I, I, I mean, I tried to describe it in the book, and I tried not to use the same adjectives over and over. He he was just he was just somebody special, and I'd been around a lot of special guitar players, 
And I've seen a lot of these guys playing up close, you know. And there were moments that that blew me away. And I write about this in the book. You know, I, I sat there on a bed with Jeff Beck, playing, who's playing one of my strats. I actually brought him a guitar I had. It was a 73 All Maple Strat. It's a really beautiful guitar. Oh, somebody just ordered a book. There's no name on it, but thank you, whoever that was. Really, thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm watching Jeff, you know, kind of do his thing. And, and that, to me, was was a miracle. Yeah. I was up at Steve Vai's house in his studio. And I was sitting, like, you know, two feet away from Steve. And Steve was showing me this new piece of gear he had. And Steve, you know, with his fingers that are like, you know, eight, eight inches long, was doing this thing and I thought, oh my God, you know, this guy is special. There weren't that many moments where where I thought that, you know, these guys were like just a level above everybody else. Yeah, you know. So Mm -hmm. um yeah, the more I was around it, the more I realized how how truly remarkable he was. And it wasn't just as a guitar player, it was um as a songwriter and Mm -hmm. and, and an arranger. And the way he, um, you know, uh, uh, piled his guitar parts on each other when, when there were, you know, um, rhythm tracks and not just, you know, the, the rhythm track going away, him doing a solo. Um, you know, I mean, this, the structures of his songs were unbelievable. I mean, I don't think Ed, though he knew it, I know he knew because we talked about it. You, you know, it's not like you would hear his songs and go, oh, yeah, intro, verse, you know, B section, chorus. You know, bridge. I mean, he. I don't think he ever thought like that. I don't think he ever thought about songs in terms of a vocal going over it. So yeah. it was just, wow. he was just a, a, a unique person in all this world. And for him to receive these accolades and this adulation and this reverence and, and to be seen in this sort of, you know, holy pantheon, you know, with, you know, Hendrix, Clapton, you know, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, um, you know, I, I mean, certainly, I mean, he, he deserves... You know, all of that. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, uh, Steve, uh, I, one of the interviews you uh, you did, I think it was the 79 era one. Um, he's playing the intro to Light Up the Sky. <clears throat> and it's funny because Ed, it's it's pretty obvious when you listen to the interview, how Ed understood the, um, the, the, the makeups of the songs that he wrote because he plays the, you know, the intro to Light Up the Sky. And he goes, and the bass goes, and he plays it down. Yeah. And he, so yeah. he's talking about like how he just knew everything. So whether he coached Michael Anthony on, hey, I want you to play this going down, I'm gonna play it going up, whatever. Like it, it's just it, or maybe he didn't. I don't know, but whatever. But um, he understood so much about the, the the structure of how he wanted the song to be, and it was amazing. You know the questions that you would ask him in those interviews. Um, it, it, it's it's interesting because. In all the interviews, specifically the 77, 78, 79, even the 81, when he would be constantly noodling on the guitar, you would spark something. You'd ask a question. You could almost tell like he'd start talking. Else, boom, you could see something like fire in his brain. And then he'd just play the riff. And it was just it, it's it's almost ingenious the way that you phrased the questions. Um, and, and I remember at one point. Ed asks you, so how old are you anyway? And you go, I'm 25. <laughs> and uh, how long have you been doing it? You're, and you're just like, well, you know, I just kind of got going, whatever, and doing this, doing that. <laughs> it's funny, like Ed starts interviewing you, which I thought was so like just 
Like he must have just personal. been the coolest guy to hang around. Yeah, exactly. Personal, Kurt. Exactly. He must have been the uh, you know guy to hang around with. He was the he was the fucking greatest. I always said that if Ed had never played, if he was if he was Edward Van Halen, but you know maybe he was just a guitar player in a club band, um, or maybe if he never played music at all, you know, I would like to think that we still would have been friends. I don't know. I, I I mean that that's such a you know an impossible question to answer. But I mean, I honestly I'm so blown away that you know the minutiae of those interviews. Yeah. I, I mean, because I oh, couldn't yeah. tell you that that interview <laughs> that those questions came from that interview and that light up the sky was from that interview. Um yeah. to try to cover your points, I'm pretty positive that Ed had Mike, whoever went up and who went down for Mike to do the opposite. I don't think Mike came up with that part. Um, yeah. I, I think I, at one of the interviews, I think I'd asked Ed, you know, well, um, do you tell, or Mike maybe had told me um, that, you know, he would just kind of come up with a part to kind of compliment Ed's, you know, riffs and stuff. I, I mean, I know that Ed had input under those bass parts. I mean, I, I right. know he did. Um, and, 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 you know, when the records, you know, start getting a little more advanced and, you know, fair warning and stuff. And some of the bass parts are a little more intricate. Um, I know that Ed had input on those. Um, yeah. And in terms of Ed interviewing me, and I, again, I write a, a little bit, of, I write about this actually fairly at length in the book. For him to ask me that question, it, you know, it, it just, it, it just showed so much respect for what I did. And, yeah. you know, you can hang out with somebody and like what they do and <clears throat> not necessarily, you know, be not necessarily have a great deal of respect for them. You can like what they do. But I mean, for him to ask me that, I mean, he was interested enough to, to ask me. And in my mind, I read it as respect. And, you know, up at the house and you can kind of see some of the pictures here. Every wall in my condo here is you know, filled with pictures of, of me and guys. In fact, you can, yeah. Sorry. The, the opposite. I, know, line, I, can't, I can't figure it out either. I, I'm like mirror image. <laughs> there is, that's me and Blackmore and that's Martin Barr and white snake and Glenn, oh, yeah. Glenn Hughes. Anyway. Um, uh, uh, so he was looking at the pictures and a lot of times he'd ask me questions. Goes, oh, look at that picture of you and Zappa. It's a funny Zappa picture. We're both playing guitars and we're like rocking mm -hmm. out, you know. And and for him to say that and ask how old I was, like, you, you know, I mean, I think he asked a question because I thought maybe he thought I had done some things, you know, and maybe I was older than I was. So, you know, yeah, he'd ask me that stuff and it was like just so extraordinary for my ego. And I love the guy. And he was always like that. And I don't know if I've talked about it before, but it sort of translates into the title of the book, um, Tone Chaser. And I won't talk about that because I want to save that. But um, <laughs> um, understanding Edward, when I came up with that, I, I, I really love that because it works on, on two levels. One, mm -hmm. it's, you know, understanding Edward. It's like trying to understand who he is the fans trying to understand who he is, you guys trying to understand him as a guitar player and why he did what he did with, with that neck and, and, and that body. 
And the other sort of a, a more subtle subtext there is understanding Edward, as in he's an understanding individual. He's this respectful in, uh, individual. He's this, um, um, uh, you know, um, supportive individual, you know, understanding Edward. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and he was really that person. Um, he, he just, he had this innate sense of, of understanding, you know, what you needed to hear. Um, and, you know, he was always supportive of me, and which isn't to say he wasn't honest because he was unbearably honest. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, if I was up at the house and he wanted to work, he said, hey, man, I'm going to work. I'll see you later. I go, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it, you know. I mean, um, mm -hmm. and his response is sometimes going to be abrupt. You know, if I said something wrong or he misinterpreted, um, and that happens in the book, and I, I write all about that. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I just – he was just a, an amazing guy. I mean, he yeah. wasn't. He was understanding Edward. I mean, he Keith truly Campbell. was. So, yeah. yeah. Keith Campbell said something a few minutes ago. He said Edward was very disarming. I always wanted to know about you. And I know, um, Steve, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, um, Johnny and uh, Kurt, you probably are. Uh, Dwyer and Michaels, which was a, a radio station in Iowa, um, did uh, would basically just randomly back in 2004 when they got back with Hagar would just pick up the phone and just call Ed. Somehow they got his number and Ed would just pick it up and be like, Hey man, I'm just, I'm taking, you know, whatever. I'm like going to the bathroom or whatever. I'm restringing the guitar. What do you yeah. want? They just did this for like, you know, for, for months and it just went on and on and on. And Ed would just sit there and entertain these two knuckleheads, you know, not just plan those mm -hmm. guys, but just, just, just entertain these two knuckleheads. And Ed was like, come on, man, I'm working like, you know, whatever. And then, they developed this relationship with him and Ed would like in the middle of their interview, be like, so who are you guys anyways? What are you guys doing? Oh, that's cool. We're just two radio guys in Iowa. That's cool. And he would just like, he would ask them questions about them. You know, it was always like right. Ed was just the plainest guy. He never wanted to be in the spotlight. I mean, his famous, you know, his famous thing was, you know, it was like, what's a rock star. It's like a meteor comet or something. You know, I'm just a musician. He would be like rock stars come and go. I'm just a musician. And that was always that kind of impish, kind of smiley, kind of grin, whatever. You know, I'm just nobody. I'm just a bricklayer type thing. I'm just a kid making music. And I remember in the 1986 interview you did with him, um, you know, you guys were talking about Roth and and Ed said some pretty, pretty interesting things about Roth and leaving and mm. Hagar coming. And Ed's talking about the Steinberger trans trem guitar and everything. And then I think it went on for a while. And finally, Ed said to you, he was, you mentioned a minute ago, Ed was kind of abrupt. He would like, you'd hit something, you'd say something, and it would kind of strike something. And Ed said to you, he goes, not too much more about him, okay? Please don't talk yeah. about Roth anymore. He just kind of said yeah. that. It was kind of funny. And then you guys just kind of switched gears. Uh, that would happen. It would happen a lot. And I go into the book in depth, and that happened. A lot. I mean, there were really heavy moments with him, and um, yeah. I, I, I write about that. But yeah, yeah, at a point in time, yeah, he, you know, he'd knock Roth, he'd knock Roth, he'd knock Roth. I'd ask one more question about Dave, and he'd go, "Yeah, that, that's it. I don't want to talk about him anymore." Um, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> he had he had his he had his moods. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Ed was Ed was really two people. He was probably a thousand people, but you know he was the Edward Van he was the Eddie Van Halen on stage, and he was bigger than life, and he was loud, and it was a smile, and it was the guitar, and it was that thing, you know. And then there was the Edward Van Halen that I knew off stage, who was. Um, I mean, a, a fairly shy guy. I mean, you know, he did that. I mean, I know about that, um, you know, talking to those guys. I don't know if I ever heard it. I heard about it. 2004 would have been after, um, you know, we kind of parted ways. But I, I did hear about mm-hmm. that. And he, yeah, he would do stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think he was, was, on the other side of being this guy on stage, he was, um he was extraordinarily secure in um, in who he was as a musician. I mean, and, and again, I go into this in the book, and I don't want to give it away. There's nothing to give away, but but um, I never heard Ed in all the time I knew him saying, "I'm a fuck." Wasn't that a fucking great solo man? Have you ever heard anything like that? Oh, that band is you know fucking sucks. Or you know Van Halen's the best fucking band. He never said that. Because he never had to say that. Wow. Right. On the other side of that, saying to Ed, Ed, my God, that that solo, uh, you know, on, on uh, Main Street was amazing. You go, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And it, it's almost as if, you know, either uh, he really didn't want to hear it. He didn't need to hear it. He was embarrassed by it. Or somehow it, it, it you know. It like took away from his art, like like I didn't need to say that. He didn't need to hear it to know how good that was. So he was he was really two different um, people. Um, um, and, and and I saw this other side of him, and there were some other sides that I saw that I write about in the book, and um, you'll read about that, and I think you'll you'll, you'll really be kind of um, blown away by 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 reading some of this stuff because uh, I mean there's some stuff in there I, I don't think anybody really knows about him. Or knew about him, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, I, I some of the stuff I, I I thought well maybe I shouldn't write about that, but but I did. I had to be honest with myself, and I kind of lay myself out there sometimes in not so flattering ways. So I, I, you know I had to be uh, you know as honest as I could with everything. So sure, um, yeah, he was an enigmatic personality. He was a complex guy. I mean, yep. he truly was. I mean, he really really was. Steve, do you, uh, I'm just going to jump into the guitar stuff a little bit here because I know a whole bunch of people in the chat are going to want to, going to want us to ask some questions and we, we really forget, we really, we haven't spent too much time going through the questions. We we probably should do that in a second because I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people that want to ask. Yeah, I've got some, I've got some as well. Yeah. Just one quick thing um, is, uh, do you recall, I'm sure you saw and got to play the Frankenstrat, the red, white, and black guitar. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw it mm-hmm. when it was black and white before he painted it red and after. Are there any memories? Yeah, there's a photo of Steve holding that. Sorry. There's a oh, photo yeah, of yeah, Steve yeah. holding that uh, Day of the Green. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, Steve, right. What memories uh, yeah. jump out at you 
um, from a guitar perspective, and I'm sure you've seen a whole ton of them. You can't remember them all, but uh, maybe you talk about in the book and certainly don't want to destroy any kind of, you know, uh, uh, take away from the uh, mystery of what's in the book because we're all excited for it. But any particular stories that you remember or recall from Ed saying, hey, check out this guitar, like one of his famous ones, any ones that you remember, like I actually got to play that guitar, one of the real cool ones. Well, I mean, like you said, that Day in the Green was the black and white one. Um, I had played that guitar. I mean, you know, I, I had held it. Uh, I played the Frankenstrat. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, Look at those young lads. <laughs> oh, my God. Steve, I love the hair. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? Well, you, uh, thank God you can't see the shorts. My God, these shorts. But I, I, had good, I had good legs back then, guys. I mean, let's oh. face it. Did they uh, even qualify as shorts uh, or more like a bikini? <laughs> oh, my God. Why I ever wore those. Hey, they're coming um, back, Steve. They're coming back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, there you go. And obviously, that's a, that's a slow sour shot. And, and what you don't know, and I'm going to pique your interest, is the back cover, which no one has seen yet, was another shot that Neil had shot that day. I never even knew. I said, hey, Neil, is it possible you had another shot from the day on the green? So I remember going to his house, you know, the studio over in Hollywood. And, you know, he pulled out the folder and he was looking. He's looking. He's, oh, yeah, here's the second one. So that second shot that oh. no one has ever seen is on the back. And I mean, it's, I, I, I was blown away to me. It's like, um, uh, yeah, it, it's not, it's not that, you know, not that session, of course, it's from the session of, of the, uh, Dan, the green photo you Day just, green. just, uh, showed. Yeah. yeah. So it's another shot from there. Um, so, uh, in answer to your question, yeah, I played a fair amount of his guitars. Uh, you know, it's funny when he brought the Les Pauls over, I, I have no doubt that I could have picked one up and started playing it. I didn't want to because, you know, I thought, you know, I didn't want to transfer my mojo onto the guitar and, right. you know, I'd get done playing it. He'd pick it up <laughs> and not be able to play it because I left my curse on it or something, you know. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I played his Frankenstrat and he had, you know, several of those, I mean, up at 5150. I mean, I don't know what they were, but they were painted like that, yeah, you know. And like typically, his, like I said, his guitars. Like yeah, there you oh, go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And there's about six other shots from that um, session as well. That that was by Glenn LaFerman. Um, yes. Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Johnny, is yeah, that, Glenn the, shot uh, that the Terra's guitar? Yeah, my buddy owns that particular guitar now. That's awesome. My buddy Michael Gutierrez, he won that guitar at, at the 85 NAM show, big contest. And I've gotten remember, to play that. I, I, I've gotten I, to play I, that I'm guitar sorry, as well. Yeah. I was I was at that NAM show. I, I remember that. Um, yes. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I played that. I played the Frankenstrat. I played the Bumblebee, um, uh, the black and white one. I mean, he had you know he had that that V up there, and I I, I remember I it was lying on the floor and the floor fissure. This is pre fifty one fifty when he just had like a little sixteen track rig out there, man. I mean his his studio was a pigsty. I mean, you know, half the um, half the faders were like were like empty. There was no modules in there. And he used to flick his ashes in there. I mean, you know, cigarettes, you know, and you know, you're not supposed to smoke in a studio. You know what it does to gear and guitars. 
I mean, the floors were filthy. And this guitar, you know, you guys know better than me what that guitar is worth. But, I mean, it was just on the floor without a case. And this, you know, this is probably – yeah, yeah. $500,000 so for 50 AB, yeah. This is going to cause you uh, guitar guys to look me up and come burn down my front door. <laughs> oh, I thought my his God. guitars played like shit. Oh. I thought that Frankenstrat, the way that, you know, the thing at his bar was like a fucking, uh, you know, like a huge metal tube and it hung there. And, you know, it's like you couldn't jerk back. If you jerk back, you know, it was like nothing. You know, like it's like, you know, it took like both hands to push down on it. And his neck, I thought, would be like effortless. You know, it'd be like, and I was like, oh, my God. I I, I, I swear to you, I could not play it again. I'm not a great guitar player. I was a good guitar player, good enough to play it. It just was not an easy guitar to play. Now, you guys might play those same guitars. goes, my God, this guitar plays fantastically i didn't mm-hmm. you know the necks for my fat stubby hands you know were, were <laughs> too big too wide the profile in the back you know i thought the strings were too heavy other than that you know they played great you know it's just fine but <laughs> seriously that, that that those are my main memories i thought my god how does he play these guitars Um, You know, I think in one of the interviews, I don't know if that's one that was up on um, uh, my YouTube page, um, Ed comes over with a bumblebee and I'm playing this Strat. Mm -hmm. And and again, I can't remember if this conversation, you know, if there's audio exists of this or you guys might have read the text. And uh, she says, oh, hey, why don't you try my guitar? (laughs) So he trade guitars. And I, I actually write about this in the book, and I think it's pretty funny, and I don't want to give this away. But um, um, I mean, it played like shit. Yeah. <laughs> he plays my guitar, which I could never keep in fucking tune. And my guitar was pretty cool. It was a 66 Strat. Um, and the two, you know, the front and the middle pickups were original. Somebody mm-hmm. had hollowed out the rear and put in a humbucker, um, but it appealed to Ed for just that reason. And he loved it. And I think I paid 150 bucks for it. When I told oh Ed gosh. that, he goes, yeah, 150 bucks? I go, yeah. I mean, he dug that because, you know, Ed never paid more than, well, I think he told me 400 bucks for any guitar. So he loved that uh, aspect of it. But, you know, we traded guitars and I tried to play and it's like, I, I sounded just as bad on my guitar as I, <laughs> as I did on his. In the meantime, you know, <laughs> you, well, you can hear him, all the stuff he was playing on my guitar and you know, I mean, Steve, he could have. Let's face it, he could have played anything. Um, do you remember one of the but, interviews where he was messing with one of your strats, and I think he asked, "Do you mind if I move the volume pot?" Yeah, and, yeah, and and he was. Uh, I think he moved the volume pot down one slot so he could play it. Do you remember that? I I remember that perfectly. And my question to you is, I thought he said. Uh, can I can I take off? I thought he said, "Can I take off the knob?" Yes. So, yes. Oh. Right. So my question to you guys, knowing every fucking thing about these guitars, <laughs> and if I can get the right answer from you, I'm going to go back and make the edit. And no, I'm not going to share in the proceeds of the book. I'll just give you a thank you, but oh. no, I'm kidding. That's but, fine. Thank uh, you, Kurt, but, with a K. But, exactly. <laughs> but what I never knew, it, when he said knob, I didn't know. If he was talking about 
and now that I think about it, it, so I didn't know if he was talking about the volume knob or the actual toggle switch knob. He was probably- In other words, when he said, can I take off the knob? Now that I think about it, he wouldn't have referred, <clears throat> would he have referred to the toggle switch, you know, the little plus end on the end of the toggle as a knob? Or was he referring indeed to the volume knob or the tone knob? He was probably talking about the tone knob, Steve, because he took tone knobs off of pretty much everything. Um, there's actually pictures of the dragon snake. Uh, I have mine on, but Ed never used tone knobs back then. He only used a volume knob. Um, even, I mean, on the Les Pauls and stuff like that, because there's four knobs, he would probably leave them and he would kind of get comfortable where the tone, where the volume knob was. But he would yeah. take off the knobs that he didn't use. Ed never liked more. He just wanted a one pickup, one knob. That was it. Um, <laughs> no interference. So, right. So my my guess would be from based off of pictures, it would be the tone knob or a toggle switch. He never liked that. Um, and that's, that's the other thing, Rob, too, is his Frank, he used to take the um, the fenders and he would take the volume knob. They were so close to the bridge pickup. Right. He would actually put it in the first tone knob slot. Right. Right. And it's hard to tell on the interview. I didn't know if he was taking apart your guitar with a screwdriver. Did he take the the, no. the scratch plate off and move the volume knob? No, no. Interesting. No, okay. no, I no, and, and okay. I, certainly if he had asked for a screwdriver or whatever you needed, no. Because <laughs> that's when I say, you know, he's boogle on it. And then I say, Oh, does it come off? And I think he says something like, uh, it should. And in the book, I, I write about this. Like when he says it should, it's like he fucking well knows. I mean, how many of these knobs has he taken off? He knows. I think he's just being courteous to me when he was thinking, "You fucking moron! You don't know if the knob comes off." You know what I mean? That's hilarious. Um, but so, so my, so my question is, he was taking it off because, not, not because. Uh, look, I understand that he only had the one volume knob on his guitars, but but I, mm -hmm. I think he was taking it off because it, it, it physically got in the way of, of, of when he played, right? Yes. So do you think that would have been more the tone knob or the volume knob? Probably the, probably the tone I... knob because what Kurt's saying is Ed did not like the volume knob so close to the strings. He liked it down a little bit. So what he would do? So why a, wouldn't he have taken? So why wouldn't it have been the volume knob? He would take the, he, the volume knob. He would take the volume knob off the whole pot, take the tone knob down, and then move the volume down to where the to, first to where the tone was. Ah, so was okay. So we obviously further. Gotcha. So we obviously didn't do that on my guitar, um, but but what's weird is. So what's weird? So so he, he takes that off, and but you know the little whatever you call the piece at the, uh, I mean, isn't it like a little round? Um, you, you know the thing that that the that the knob fits on. It's like a little uh, I don't know what you would call it. You know, the, yeah, the pot, the pot itself. Well, basically, the, yeah, the the uh, yeah. Right. So, but but so the but, but so the pond is still sticking up. So it's still going to be in the way a little bit. You know what I mean? That's why I thought he was taking off 
the toggle switch. So, I mean, the toggle on the strat was, is a toggle on the top? I, I can't even think. Or yeah, is it toggle closer. on the bottom? I mean. No, it's closer to the smaller horn. Uh, so it's after the, or before the. Strat? There, you oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, shit. So on a 66 strat, that's what it would have been. Right. Yeah, they're all yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah, so. so. But Steve, what we're saying is yeah. that. I think one of the things he was doing was he didn't like the volume knob so close to the strings. So what he would do, right. he didn't do it on your guitar, obviously, but he would take the tone knob off and he would move the volume knob what? down here. So it had more, he had more, you know, it was, it, it had more distance. Gotcha. So, 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 so I guess, yeah, brother, what makes sense is he took off, the volume knob, just maybe it was just getting in his way a little bit. I mean, right. the guitar wasn't plugged in. Because so, he would always um, all right, I'm gonna... flutter pick. He would flutter yeah. pick, so he would hit the knob mm -hmm. and he would move. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I think I I think that's what I ended up thinking it was. So I'm gonna put that in there, and if it's wrong, oh. I, I know the four guys I'm coming after. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Kurtz, first of all. Do you remember him. this guitar? Do you remember playing the Ibanez Destroyer? Um, never played that one. 78, 79. Yeah. That's what he played. Uh, you really got me on. Is that the on. one that he... Uh, is that the one is that, that he... Uh, women and children first? He uh, cut it up and stuff? Yeah. 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 There's some pretty fun. There's some pretty fun stories in uh, in the book about that. Oh, cool. Very cool. Thank you, Philip. Philip wrote a nice little thing here. Can Can everybody in the chat room see these comments, or just us? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody can see, can see them. Oh. Cool. Mm -hmm. Hey, Philip. Hey, Philip. <laughs> yeah it's funny steve the little things in your interviews that we catch on to um it's un I mean, just because we're nerds you know it's unbelievable because you know <laughs> in the moment I, I mean i'm more fixated on him not <coughs> playing guitar at all because uh you know obviously i was hoping he would play guitars whenever he came over but I wasn't saying, hey, you know, here, here, here's my guitar, you know, you know, playing stuff. So, um, yeah, so I'm thinking more about that. The fact that he wanted to take the knob off, I actually write about that a little bit in the book. I realized that's a pretty cool moment. But, you know, it's not like I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be, you know, people are going to look at that and go, oh, wow, how, Big how deal, fucking right? cool. He took a knob off. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Steve, real quick, tell yeah. everyone in the chat that may not know, you guys had a formula, I think, for the first three, maybe four albums where – he would come over after they were done tracking the tracks and he would bring over a tape and he would go track by track with you. Right. He did, you know, uh, it was pretty fantastic. In, in, in fact, in fact, the first time he came over to the house, um, the first interview I did with him was the, um, was that phoner. And then I interviewed him again <clears throat> Yeah, he came over to the house, I think, before the second album. And um, the album wasn't out yet. I hadn't heard the album. Nobody heard the album. 
So I was thinking, how am I even going to do the interview? Um, I've done a couple of interviews in the past, you know, where I'd never heard a record. Um, and the record, I mean, the interviews, honestly, they suck. I mean, how do you do an interview with somebody if you haven't heard their record? Right. Um, so, mm-hmm. right. Uh, yeah, he came over that first time, the, the first time I was at the house. And he says, hey, man, let's, let's go out to the car. And that's that's when he still had that beater piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it was, like a Valiant or a... A Vega. You know, I, th- I think he told me later he paid 700 bucks for it, you know, and <laughs> I read the book that he got ripped off. I mean, it was a piece of shit. It was horrible. Yeah, but then we go, and he had this um, boombox, a monster, you know, boombox. He goes, yeah, man, let, you know, listen to the record. And so we went, we, we, we came down the stairs from my place, and I didn't know what we were going to do. I thought he wanted to go take a drive or something. You know, I didn't care what he wanted to do. I said, hey, you know, whatever you wanted. And he, then he played me all the tracks. And I think he may have given me titles, but I, I didn't even have a pen and paper. So I, I didn't even, you know, I, I mean, I couldn't take notes. You know, I tried to remember, oh, it's a fast boogie, fast boogie, fast boogie. The next song will come on. I'm going, oh, it's a mid-tempo, uh, mid-tempo, mid-tempo. And, oh, that solo, was, you know. So by the time I got back to the house, I didn't remember anything. But yes, that was sort of became a tradition. And he did that up through... Um, yeah, the first record, second record, uh, Women, Children First, um, Fair Warning. That was the next one, Diver Down. I get my chronology mixed up. Yeah, I think yeah, four yeah. of the records. Fair Warning. That's right. It was just, uh, it was just, I'm sorry. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, Fair Warning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was, I mean, I love those moments. And then, you know, we'd go in the house or, or, or you know, yeah, we go in the house because typically he always came over to my place um, <laughs> to listen to that stuff, which I always thought was amazing. Um, you know, and then he'd, he'd pick up the guitar, and then he, you know, he'd show me what he was playing, and as amazing as as it sounded on record, you know, now you're you're hearing him, and you know, you can watch his pick attack, and God, just his fingers on the neck. I, I, I mean, it was it was just, I, I mean, I was just astonished every time. It, it was. It was special. Um, God, I wish there had been some some fucking video. I, I mean, uh, you know, but, um, you know, at least I got it on tape and at least I, you know, have memories mm-hmm. enough to, to kind of recreate that for everybody um, um, to kind of, you know, sort of live in that moment, sort of be a fly on the wall with me. And uh, yeah, those were, those were amazing moments. Um, Steve, you, you know, you mentioned... Um, you know, we don't want to, I certainly don't want to touch on subjects that we don't want to talk about. Um, do you recall <clears throat> your last meeting with, when's the last time you met with Ed and what was the, the last time you got to hang out with him in, in a positive way, in a positive way? You remember the last time you got to hang out with him, what year it was and what you guys did? Were you playing guitar? You... Uh, I I, I kind of... <clears throat> Rather not talk about that. Sure, um, no, no problem. Um, I, I, I think it's it's an extraordinary story, and 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 not that I'm trying to be like this secretive guy, but I I, I think people, I think when you read the book and you come to those parts, 
if you don't sure. know what's going to happen, I, I think, it'll, it'll, you know, for all you guys too. So absolutely. Um, absolutely. Thank you guys. Yeah. Um, sure. What I would like and to Steve, talk about I think, just for uh, a moment here, if I might. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say real uh, quick, I, I think say, he lived at home until uh, 81 or 80 before he oh, yeah. had his own yeah. place. That's probably why he yeah. always came I, to your you place. Know, that is absolutely correct. And I even write about a little book, and this I can talk about. When when he offered to come by my place the first time, I knew that he still lived at home because I think in our first conversation at the whiskey, um, he had told me that, or on the phone in one of the conversations, but I knew he lived at home. So, I, yeah, we did the first interview. He wanted to come over. I said, Ed, I, I don't want you to drive from Pasadena. I mean, Pasadena to, to the Hollywood Hills, <laughs> you know, no traffic. I mean, that's like a good 35, 30-minute schlep with yeah. no with no uh -huh. uh, no traffic on the 134 freeway. I mean, it's not like you're around the corner. And with any traffic, you know, it's an hour. I thought, I thought to myself, he's going to get on the freeway, get stuck in traffic. By the time he arrives at the house, he's going to be in an L.A. traffic mood. And the, the interview is going to be for shit. I said, Ed, I'll happily drive out there. No, no, I'll drive. I get Ed, I'll drive. He goes, no, man, I'll come out there. So, yeah. So, you're right. That's exactly why he used to come out. And I thought the fact that this guy, this gifted beyond words, you know, human life form, you know, they're on their second record. And I don't know, I don't know if he lived there till the third record, you know, lives at home. I just thought, the 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 backstory that he lived at home with his parents was just it was perfect you know yeah. it wasn't like he was living at some apartment in Hollywood or you, you know what I mean or renting some house out in the valley San Fernando Valley he lived at home with his parents I mean it was so perfect you know what I mean it was just yeah. you couldn't have written that script um, Valerie even mentioned um, that back in the 1982 interview she's like you live at home with your parents and Ed's like that's not true. And she's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The first time he first time he moves out is when he moves into Valerie's house. Yeah. And that was another little thing that I had to get straight. I tried to figure out, you know, when did I go up there for the first time? And had Ed did Ed buy that house? I had to go back and forth and I looked and I talked to people and I realized that was Valerie's house yeah. that he yeah. moved into. So when he moved out, he didn't even have a house to move into. I mean, certainly by that time, I'm sure he probably could have afforded to, you know, rent a place. And I know that he had bought his parents a house and retired right. his dad. So he was making some money. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was Valerie's house. So, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, so yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> man. Let, let, me, let me just say, uh, I think I told you this last time you're on the show, but one of my favorite interviews of yours with Edward is the Guitar World, that cover story, the the, the life and times of Edward Van Halen. Yeah. July 85, I believe is what it is. Yeah. And um, it, it's just uh, amazing. That one, that one. And then there was a time when, when you tagged along with him to, to the NAMM show. Yeah. And uh, it might've been, it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the 85 NAMM where my friend won the guitar it was it was like maybe no, no. like a, another one the same year it was it was, 
it was the 85 NAMM show in New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I've, those I, were I, fantastic moments. I mean, firstly, yeah, that 85 interview, The Life and Times of Ever Ben Hillen. I mean, that's one of my favorite interviews. It just, I, I knew when it was done that, that this came out really well. I was really happy with it. And in fact, I write about this in the book. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. And I love that the cello and the sax are there. And that gets kind of referenced. <clears throat> and I actually talk about the cello. It's a fantastic story you're going to love um, in the book about the, about his cello. Um, uh, um, the Life and Times of Edward Van Halen. Yep. yep. That's it. Yep. That's the guitar I played. And yep. Big sounded like shit on. <laughs> <laughs> And they had a Kramer neck on, had a Kramer uh, chicken hawk uh, uh, beak neck because he was with Kramer at the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. cool. And I do cool. also talk about Kramer in the book. Here's and the there's some interesting things I say. Here's yeah. Yeah. His cool. dad was, was teaching him sax. So he's taking some sax lessons. The sax is right next to him, I um, think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In that picture. Um, so that that issue, the life and times of Edward Van Halen, I won't go into detail because it's in the book, but um, that title came from Guitar World, and uh, that was ostensibly going to be the title of the book that I was going to write on Ed back in '85, and oh, okay. some of those early interviews were going to actually be serialized on the pages of Guitar World, um, and then appear as chapters in the book. And I write about that, and you'll hear sort of the real story behind that. And the Nam in New Orleans story I go into, and um, yeah. anybody that's read that, uh, I add a lot of I add a lot of the backstory, and um, that was an unbelievable time. I mean, that was that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. That's that's um, one of my very favorites. The one where you tag along to the uh, NAM show and you go to the house and, and you call over you know, you know, the story oh. you call over, nobody answers. <laughs> and then you, you guys you fly over and people are, are, are uh, girls are taking pictures of him while he's sleeping on the plane and all these like really cool uh I've just I've always envisioned all that, read, reading that back then. Uh, you know, I've gotta awesome. tell you, man, when you guys sort of um, uh, pull quotes or, or moments from my stories like that. You have, uh, I mean, I can't even tell you how much that means to me. I mean, it's <laughs> like when I write stories, when I used to write stories, I used to think, is anybody really going to read this story? I mean, I knew they were. Right. I knew I was mm -hmm. writing, you know, for big, but it's like, I couldn't conceive of somebody sitting there with a magazine looking at it. And if they did read it, was it forgotten after they go to the next story on this other guitar player? And it was hard for me to envision that, you know? So for you guys to reference stories that I wrote, what is that, 40 years ago or 40, whatever, 42 years ago, to me is just like, I, I, I mean, it, it, it's the reason that I began writing, honestly, man was to touch people and reach people and hopefully have something that I wrote last. And, and I, I mean, mm -hmm. it's everything to me. So that's awesome. You know, I, I'm so appreciative of that. 
I mean, you have no idea, honestly. Yeah. Well, Steve, it's just so Do amazing. Do you talk about – sorry, Rob. Do you talk about uh, the football game that you went to with Eddie? Do you talk about that in the book? Oh, my God. Do, uh, <laughs> do, have, have I referenced that somewhere? Uh, I didn't even I, I've think that it. was yeah. even referenced. Uh, oh, my God. You won't even believe that one. <laughs> oh, my God. What a fantastic story. Ed, Ed and I go to an Oakland Raiders game at the Los Angeles Coliseum. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. This guy. Uh, yeah, it's a fun story. You guys are going to dig that. Yeah. That, wow. I'm really excited. That's I'll, probably I'll about. Give you uh, a hint. That's a teaser. <laughs> that's a what? Teaser. Good teaser. teaser. Exactly. And, and and I'll give you I'll give you a little hint. You know, uh Lennon gave you a hint, right? The walrus, the walrus was Paul. Well, I, I'll give you a, a hint with the title. Girls with balls. So uh, uh -oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rob's ordering that book right now. Yeah, I'm right on. <laughs> Lickety split. Yeah, yeah. It's, I I don't think it's what you think it is, but if you think about it when you read it, you'll I think I think you'll get it. Yeah, it's a great story, you know. And yeah, I really try to man. I I try to dredge up every memory I had of him, good and bad, and you know I, I laid it all out there and. Um, I honestly think one of the reasons that Omnibus, you know, the publisher I referenced at the top of this, passed yeah. was that the book, and I don't know exactly how many words, I know how many words it was uh, in uh, um, Word, uh, it was like 258,000 words, which is about twice the length of, of the typical music bios you see. And so it's going to be somewhere between 400 and 500 pages, and that's a thick book. You know, we're talking like, yeah, you know, beautiful. one of the thick books. Um, so it's, there's going to be a lot of stuff to read, you know, and I honestly, I didn't want to leave anything out. And so I just kept writing. I kept writing, not thinking to edit myself. And um, that's so, cool. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I love it. <clears throat> well, Steve, I just all want there on the page guys. Well, we're, we're definitely excited to see the book. And uh, I mean, I, we can't wait. Um, not only for the stories, but just to have another piece of um, a collection to our repertoire of magazines and guitars and CDs and, you know, um, just little little gadgets that we kind of, you know, hold on to as as the Van Halen fan. You know, um, the interesting thing, we kind of talked about this a, a few shows ago that we we had done because, I mean, we all kind of have our own channels, too. Johnny's got one of the biggest ones, you know, because he's been doing it for so long. Um, <clears throat> when Edward passed back in October of 20, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting as a Van Halen fan, you know, you kind of, um, you kind of say to yourself, wow, now what, you know, what's, what's going to happen now. But what's really interesting is as a Van Halen fan, um, with the passing of the King, we, you know, everything carries on. And in some, in some senses, it's kind of, it's more amplified because now there's so much stuff out on the internet. There's so many books coming out. There's so many people building guitars. There's so many um, stuff coming out on YouTube, like, like solos and 
live videos, right? Like, you know, like from shows, because now it's it's almost like this flood of Van Halen stuff coming out, which is really, you know, um, in the in the morning of losing, you know, a, a guitar hero, you know, just a hero that we grew up with, um, <clears throat> you know, that had such an instrumental part of all of our lives. And, you know, in, in, on the positive side of that, um, being a Van Halen fan has done nothing other than just become even more fun. So, and I think it's going to continue because there's so much stuff. Now, I'm not talking about the vaults at 5150, you know, with all the unreleased music and stuff, you know, that hopefully one day Wolfgang will get to, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, whatever. But the the live footage and the pictures and the Slaws books and the books that you just wrote, all that stuff that's just people are like, hey, now's a good time to put this out. So be, I guess what I'm trying to say in a nutshell is becoming a Van Halen, being a Van Halen fan is doing nothing other than becoming more exciting because there's so much cool stuff coming mm -hmm. out. So it's just like, you know, as Ed used to say, fasten your seatbelt because there's just more stuff coming, you know. Yeah, abs absolutely. Um, <clears throat> following on that thread, Rob, for just a second. Um, all the other Van Halen books came out post Edward's passing. Right. And that's fine. It's totally legitimate. Um, I, I just wanted to put on record that I, like I told you guys before, I began the book August 24th of 2020, which is what, a month and a week or whatever before Ed's passing. Um, um, if I had, honestly, if Ed had passed before I started the book, I, I, I honestly don't know what I would have done. I mean, I, you know, would that have been a trigger to go, oh my God, now I really have to write the book? Or oh my God, I you know I, I I can't write the book. I don't want to write the book. So I don't know. And I'm not trying to be maudlin right. about it, but I I just wanted to to put that out there. Um, but Steve, the other thing too that you mentioned earlier um, in the show is that you had plans with Eddie to do a biography, and you already kind of had this thing yeah. in place and in movement back you know in the late '80s. So yeah. you know. Uh, don't be hard on yourself. I think uh, I think you're doing right. the right thing. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate Absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny because I it was really difficult for me to 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 kind of get into the book as I told you guys about, and I write about this um, again. It's you know you're reading a book about a book that you don't have, and you know <laughs> one of those things. Um, uh, when I started this book. I thought it was going to be what that book should have been. But then I realized that it, 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 there, there were two different animals entirely. You know, Edward was gone. <clears throat> so all those interviews that I wanted to do with him, um, you, you know, obviously were, were never going to happen. I didn't have those. Um, you know, basically the original book I, I saw basically as um, pretty much even though I've been doing interviews with a lot of other people, I really saw it maybe as almost just sort of, a, you know, as a narrative from Edward, you know, mm -hmm. the, the question, um, you, you know, that I would have asked him and then his response, almost just like, 
you know, Edward, Edward speaking. But then I thought, no, I've done all these other interviews. So I would have used those as connecting tissue. You know, if Edward's talking about, you know, his early bands, if I'd interviewed guys from his early bands, you know, I would have inserted those interviews. And then I would have added my sort of, you know, overview as sort of a connecting tissue. And I, you know, when I saw this book, I thought, well, I have all these other interviews. But then I thought, no, the book is really about Edward and, and you know, it's about me and our friendship. And um, kind of once I understood that, I, I was able to really kind of jump into the book and um, realize that that these were two uh, entirely different books. So, um, yeah, um, uh, which isn't to say, I mean, again, all, all these other interviews I have, I mean, there's some amazing interviews that I did, you know, and they exist, uh, you know, on tape. So uh, I don't know. Maybe those question, Steve. Somewhere. Well, I'm glad you've touched on that because you just kind of reminded me of a question that I personally forgot to ask. We have the amazing interviews that you did with Ed. You know, um, you know, 77, 78, 79, 80, 86. Um, are there more that you're planning <laughs> to release uh, down the road? Like, and maybe. The OU812 tour, like 88, or maybe the 90s uh, balance tour, or sometime like in between. And you're allowed um, to say no. You're allowed to say no. We're just asking. Yeah, so. no, no, no. Those are that. That's I, I can understand that from that coming from that uh, viewpoint. Um. Uh, yeah, there are some interviews from those periods. Um. Yeah, there's probably three or four, and uh, I actually cover those in the book. Um, nice. Um, I, I'd even, and, and this could be way premature, but I, I, I've been thinking about uh, maybe some kind of an, an enhanced audio book. So awesome. built around Tone Chaser, but now when Ed is talking about, when Ed's playing the wrists and this and that, you're going to hear that stuff. And when Ed's talking about, uh, you know, 1984, you're going to hear, a, uh, I mean, I, I thought I thought that would be yeah. pretty Ugh. amazing. You know, I, I mean, I've seen the responses to the audio that I've gotten and it's just been amazing. And I, I realized, you know, it, it's important to people and, and, Right. <clears throat> I, and I can feel that important. I can feel how important that is to people. And that resonates with me. So that's something I've been, uh, I've, I've been toying with, um, you know, let me get the book in my hand and, and, uh, you know, get that out to everybody. Right. Um, but that's something I've been thinking about because I am sitting on, oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, all told, I mean, there's probably 50 hours of interviews I have. Wow. Um, you know, a lot of stuff. Uh, um, I mean, a lot of it I, I touch on in the book or I've edited edited it down, um, uh, you know, a little bit. Um, there's a couple of them and this makes me cringe, <laughs> you know, where the batteries in my fucking cassette player we're going dead and it's like i can't make out what's on the table oh god that's funny it, you oh, know, such a, oh, such an have idiot you, man 
the eighties, oh. you know, seventies oh. and eighties, man. I'll tell you, the batteries die in the cassette player, and you're like, ah, you know. Oh my That's god! Awesome. Or cho- chewed up tapes, chewed up tapes. Um, Steve, have you had any problems with maintaining those those tapes and making sure <laughs> that they're not disintegrating? You, you know, man. I mean, I've, I I know those stories, and I know about the you know the the um, uh, life. Uh, life existence of, of, of a tape. And I know that's, you know, whatever that is, chrome oxide wears off, but man, I, you know, I keep these tapes in these, you know, you see these binders and they have like a little plastic things, you know, there's like one, two, three, four, eight holds it like 16, yep. you know, and it closes up in a plastic book. And I've kept them in there, man. And except for, you know, tapes where my batteries were dead or the, the piece of shit cassette player I use was so loud and Ed comments on tape. <laughs> some on the hit or something. Hey man, is your cassette player dying? Because you know the cap scan is going, cap scan is going, and that's being picked up by the microphone. That's going on the tape and obliterating Ed's responses. And it's like, just shoot me now. Other than those remarkably stupid uh, things, um, no man, all those tapes, you know, none of them got like hung up, and none of them, you know, seem to be. Uh, have degraded uh, audio-wise. I mean, look, man, I was using literally a $5 cassette player and a $2 microphone. I mean, I, I was I was a moron. I mean, I, you know? And then I finally got like a Sony Pro Walkman, and that was great once I got that. Um, but I still use cheap mm-hmm. cassettes, so don't even ask. I'm just grateful <laughs> that I had this stuff and I was able to, to you know, hear them well enough to write something. Um uh, but in answer to your question, no, the stuff uh, remains pretty intact. Uh, I've also dumped all the interviews to uh, all the cassettes to CDs and all the CDs to to, uh, to hard drives. So cool. I've got it there. Um, nice. Yeah. So thankfully I was, you know, forward thinking enough to do that, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable yeah it was like oh is that dying and it's like oh my god it's like you say that it's like it's so embarrassing and you know he's sitting over at my place and I'm you know trying to be professional around but at least you know together and he goes yeah, oh is it you know your cassette dying and I, and I think one time I responded I says no the cassette's fine I'm dying but the cassette's okay <laughs> oh my gosh you know? Oh man! Cool. Well, Steve, as we wrap up, anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Wrap up. Anything else you want to talk about? Just, just that I, I want to say thank you guys again, honestly, for being so great, Johnny. You have been a champion for a very long time, and that means so much to me. I can't impress upon you guys how much that means and all the people here in the chat room and the people buying the book and look, I'm, 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 I'm going beyond the financial thing because no one's going to get rich off the book. Um, you know, uh, it, it means as much to me. And if I could give the book away for free, I'd do it, but it means as much to me that, you know, people want to read the book. And I, I, I did everything I possibly could to, to, to write, this fantastic, wonderful, and honest 
and transparent book, you know, for me, for Edward and, and for all you guys. And, you know, that, that's what I tried to do. Um, so yeah, now we all just have to wait and you'll get the books in your hands and you guys all read it. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys love it. Um, I hope you love reading it as, uh, as much as I really, really did love writing it. So, yeah. You know, Steve, we just want to say too, that thanks to people like yourself that took the time back in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties to do all this legwork and to do these interviews and to indulge yourselves into the life's lives of these, you know, these artists, um, Thanks to all the hard work that you did way back in those days, you know, 30, 40 years ago, whatever it is, we're able to sit back now and enjoy this. Um, and in our busy days that we all have our own lives and we work our jobs and we, you know, have our families and our friends and relationships, whatever, our passions that we have, the guitar stuff. And, you know, obviously everybody in the chat is a big Van Halen fan. Thanks to people like yourself we're able to relive and remember, you know, the seventies and the eighties and the nineties and, you know, the, where we were when we first heard fair warning or where we were when we first heard balance or, and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and reading your interviews and listening to the audio um, clips that you put out on YouTube and everything. It's because of that, that, you know, the spirit of Ed stays alive. So, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to put this book out. Thank you for, you know, allowing us to be part of what you lived with this legend. Um, and the only thing I would ask you is please continue to, you know, when you have time, you know, and you're toying with the ideas of putting this stuff out, what you find fit um, to release we're just going to suck it up and enjoy every second of it. And the, and, the, and, the, and it, it doesn't go unappreciated. It doesn't. We really appreciate what you've done. And thank you so much. And please continue to um, to do what you do, because we all appreciate it as fans. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you to all you guys. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Steve, I just want to say um, thanks for, you know, putting all this, precious information on a book. I know there was probably just as many hours of personal time with Eddie that you had um, in conjunction with what you had as far as interview goes. I know you guys were friends. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when Ed passed, you actually lost a friend. And, um, you know, thank you for stepping forward and doing this. And I hope you're doing okay. And I know it's hard losing someone close like that. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about you and uh, we're all on your side. Yeah. Thank you guys. I, I don't even know, know what to say. I mean, I'm, I'm really touched. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Yep. Yes. Thanks and hey, guys. I just realized there's, there's a hundred people watching this. So can, can we, wow. can we give you a few questions real quick from the chat? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah man absolutely There's people I, in the I chat thought, here I thought we were on a time thing yeah man go ahead yeah yeah absolutely um will there be an audio book jason mcnamara well, is we, we just touched on that you know my first thought was um a, a, a straight up 
audio book. A typical audio book is basically a book that you've read. And now someone's yeah. reading that text. You know, typically you find some, you know, a famous guy. So that was my first thought. And I thought, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose if I could get, uh, I, I don't know, some amazing guy with an amazing voice to read it, you know, does that become of interest? Johnny Bean. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll have exactly. to learn how to read. Uh, and then I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Funny, you know, and, and then I thought, <clears throat> you know, then I thought, because again, I, I saw the response to those YouTube videos and, uh, and, yeah. and uh, honestly, I was really reluctant to put those up for a very long time. I was very protective and defensive and mm -hmm. honestly, nobody ever heard any of my interviews you know, I mean, I play some stuff for my brother. If a, a friend was over, I'd play him a, you know, hey, man, can I hear the part of the Jimmy Page interview? And of course, I'd play him a little bit. But, um, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I didn't really do much. Um, I mean, I, I did license some of that audio. I, I take that back. I licensed some of that stuff. But I, I always felt like this is mine. I, this belongs to me. And I don't want anybody else to see it or hear it. This is mine. You know, go get your own. But then I realized that's that's ridiculous. You know, I don't live in a vacuum and I don't write in a vacuum. And the reason you write stories is so people can read them. And I thought maybe people would want to hear the interviews because sometimes I hear them. I go, yeah, I think that's cool. But then I, I hear a question or the tone of my voice and I go, oh, my God, that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like it makes me cringe. But, you know, people coming from a different way. I mean, the, the context of it is totally different. So again, I see what the response was from people. So once Tone Chaser is out there and, and people have it and the response is what I hope it will be, then I'm really, really been thinking about, um, yeah, man, I, I think an, an enhanced version and Tone Chaser would sort of be the um, script for it. Right. And, um, you know, just inserting bits of Ed I mean, there are, I've got some stuff, man, and I write about in the book, and I, I'm tripping over my own tongue because I don't want to give it away, where Ed, and I'll give you this little bit, Ed is, Ed had come over to the house, and I'm working with my buddy, working on some of my songs, I've, I've been a songwriter, and he comes over, and he starts to play over one of my songs. We're not jamming on a riff that we had, and I did that with him. This is one of my songs that's on a little four track. My buddy Ron is playing keyboards. He's also a bass player. And Ed comes over and he's playing, but it's not recorded onto the four track. But I have my cassette going and he's playing like parts while the oh, song is cool. going. It is, he's never heard the song. You cannot even believe what he's playing. I mean, so it's just moments like that. I think people would hear that. And it's only like 30 or 40 seconds. Yeah, that's amazing. It's mind-blowing. Uh, you know, you asked me before about how, when did I think Ed was amazing? And was it from hearing him play, um, you know, Van Halen songs? Yes. But it was hearing him play the Purple songs. Well, hearing him play on my song, because I know what it is. Right. I know the, the solos that I've butchered. And I'm no way trying to compare myself to Ed. But I know what those changes are and, you know, what a guitar player play. And he comes in and he plays this solo and then he's hearing like these rhythm parts. He he just nailed the essence of the song in like five minutes. 
things that I couldn't have thought of in a hundred years. And it was so pure Van Halen. And so now you can not only hear wow. him playing, but it's like you can it can like you can watch him going, oh, so he's thinking like that. And that's how he comes up with that counter rhythm. And oh my God, it's just mind blowing. And to try to describe that, which I've tried to do in the book, in words, listening to a tape that happened 40 years ago is really difficult. And I, I, I think I've done a good job. But honestly, if you were reading that text and you heard this, you'd go, oh, my God, that's what it is. This, this. You know, so, yes. So I'm, I'm really starting <laughs> to really audio. seriously consider. True audio. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. Lindy Lynch is asking, uh, will there be autographed copies of the book? <clears throat> well, you know, um, I'll autograph anybody's book for another 10 bucks. I'm kidding. Kurt's <laughs> it's, it's, it's bucks. Kurt's <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know what I was going to do? I mean, people have written in um, and They've asked for autographs, and of course, of course, I will autograph those books. What I was going to do, just as a matter of course, was autograph everybody's book. The people who specifically asked for an autograph, um, of course, I would personalize. But then I thought maybe somebody just, they don't want an autograph. Maybe they like a pristine book. And hey, I get that, you know. So, yeah, but yes, I'll autograph anybody's book, and I'll write anything in there you'd like me to. I'd certainly love you to autograph mine. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Did you put that in your note, Rob? Oh. <laughs> Did you mention that? I, I I'm will. not a brain reader, pal. <laughs> Jesus. I will. I will. Come on. I will. All right. <laughs> it's like whenever Kurt comes to visit, I always want him to give me a kiss on the on the neck before he leaves. Oh, oh my oh. gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, it's come on. So sad. Don't know. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Cobra I have Kai no idea what you're talking about. Mr. Rosen come back. Maybe we should have you back uh, when the book comes out. Um, yeah, and I would love that. Yes. Actually, I'd like to come back. Yes, absolutely. Give the, you know, after the book has come out and people have, 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 they, people have read it. Or they at least have read some of it. So now we can, you yeah. know, and I'm really putting myself on the line there and, you know, hoping they're going to love it. But yeah, that would be, uh, that would be fantastic. I think everyone's going to love the book, Steve. And I think everyone's going to get another, um, <clears throat> another uh, vision of your time with Ed. You know, I mean, we've had, we have the, the audio, uh, you know, YouTube interviews that you did and those are just phenomenal. You can't listen to them enough, but we're so looking forward to what you have in that book because we know there's so many little gems that, are going to be just you know, um, you know, part of that. So so excited. Yeah, absolutely, so excited. and, and <laughs> it's honestly it's those little things you guys picked up on them. You picked up on uh, uh, you know, can I take the knob off? But it's little <laughs> things that he would have said in the context of something else. You know, that would just reveal to me. Right. so much about who this guy was and right. you know so I'll, I'll 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 take that and i'll explode that idea or that thought 
And there's a way that I do it in the book that I think is kind of, uh, you know, interesting and kind of, you know, intriguing. And um, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of the little moments. I mean, there's some big moments, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's those little, you know, idiosyncrasies. He'll, he'll say something or the way he said something or even his tone of voice, which, right. you know, obviously you can't hear it in text. You can certainly hear in those interviews, but, you know, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll sort of, um, you know, dismantle the you know how he was talking and his tone of voice and and that um um yeah yeah it's it's cool i mean sharon says it best i just actually sharon says it best buy the fucking book she says <laughs> <laughs> i actually just went through and did about i i don't know i probably edited the book i i know i've done it four times i think today was maybe the fifth time and you know it's it, it's little things it's a it's a comma here or there it's um i mean it's really minute things it's not so much adding stuff but um you know as i'm going through it i mean i'm really trying to look at it as a reader and as i'm, as I'm just going through editing mm -hmm. it and so i've read that book you know i don't know how many times now 10 times and wow. I, I rarely say this about my own stuff. You know, I said I'd like the 85 interview. Um, but I mean, it's, I, I, I think it's, it's really good. I mean, I think the writing is really good and I think I've captured him and, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I really think it'll, it'll, you know, touch people and, and resonate with them. So, yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. Cool. Well, hey, Steve, one more question. One more question. Yep. Holly Lewis is asking, uh, do you know who named the eruption? The, the song? Do you know, do you know who actually named physically or named that? Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I don't tip. I, I doubt if it was Ed cause he never came up with, uh, song titles. Um, mm -hmm. I do not know. Um, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, did Ed name it? I mean, he could have. I mean, I never talked to him about it. Um, I, I, I don't think so. It doesn't sound like an Ed name. I mean, it's a. I, I mean, maybe it was his brother. Alex used to come up with those kinds of things. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I'll give you one other little hint. Cathedral. There's a little bit in the book about uh, Cathedral as a song title, which I think um, fans will kind of dig. So cool. it's a fun story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As far as just real quick nice. on the eruption nice. thing, I know, um, and I don't yeah. know for sure, but um, definitely looking forward to the cathedral part. That's that's going to be cool to read. But yeah, on the eruption thing, I know Ed always said that uh, he was just messing around playing eruption, and Ted came in and was like, "Oh, what's that?" And Ed was yeah. like, "Oh, this is a little ditty I do in my solo." And it's like, "Let's track it. Let's track it." So, almost wondering if that was maybe something Ted came up with. What do you think? Um, it's quite possible. I was thinking Ted or Alex or Don, Don Landon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I really seriously doubt that, that Ed came up with it. Right. Um, Dave wouldn't have been there necessarily, so he probably <laughs> wouldn't have said anything. Um, and there's another little bit about Dave talking to Ed about his solos. I mean, you won't even believe this. It's it, uh, it's it's amazing stuff, but um, 
Yeah, yeah, no, it, it could have certainly been uh, Ted. And there's a lot of discussion about Ted in the book as well. Um, nice. Cool. Awesome. We can't awesome. wait. Some cool stuff. Yes. Well, Steve, thank you so much, man. This has been amazing. And when the book comes out, you can come back. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You again, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Again, thanks to everybody out there and everybody who's, you know, supporting the book. And, um, you know, I, I know you guys love him as much as I do. And hopefully this is, uh, you know, I, I, corny word, my homage to him. <laughs> maybe maybe a little sure. little dumb but you know i mean at the end of the day i, I you know just something that i i wanted to write and i thought i had to write and um yeah so it gets out there and it'll be in the hands of the readers and um you'll let me know what you think great totally awesome excited. totally excited awesome awesome thank you so much cool so you guys got everything you need yes not even close, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> There's a million things we'd love to ask, but we're not. You can take to- a break. Thank you so much. You really, really just. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Well, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you after the book comes out. All right. Awesome. Okay. 100%. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. All right. Have a good Bye. night. Bye. Bye-bye, Steve. Awesome. That was awesome. You know, it's uh, right on. There's so many things that we would love to ask Steve. And there's, you know, you try to tread on, you know, being respectful and you try to tread on, you know, what he can remember and what he's allowed to talk about, what he, what he's not. And it's just like mind blowing because there's, there's just so much information that, 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 that guy has and just it's just you know when you listen to the interviews that are on audio and i think it was mike niece i said in the chat i noticed a little while ago he said you know oh every time i listen to one of those you know you pick up something else you hear something else and it's so true you know it's it's amazing i mean there's i mean listening to a van halen song i mean i mean kurt when you and me and jimmy carr were driving to evh con we were listening to the um all the Van Halen tracks without the audio, without the vocals, which I love. You know, it's yeah. great. And yeah. you can hear so right. many little guitar pieces that you can't hear when Dave or Sammy or Gary is yapping over it, you know. And it's just cool to hear, like, right. what's, you know, what's what he what Edward was thinking and what he was coming up with. And um, mm-hmm. it's just it's just it's amazing. It's the heartbeat of the music. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Johnny, we can't wait to hear interview yeah. him again after the book comes out. You know, it'll be great. Yeah. It'll yeah, and there'll be there'll be a lot more too. Sure, because I just realized I have two other sh- I have two other shows where uh, where he can come back other other platforms. So not just here, we can actually do other stuff elsewhere. Yeah. So so that'll be awesome. Cool. Thank well, you so much, everybody, he for was watching. Very open. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Ah, oh, he's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. I've been a huge fan of, of Steve Rosen. Steve's awesome. Yeah. Dude, since man, when I first got since that first hair. guitar player. <laughs> what? 
since that since that hair since that hair he had <laughs> yeah. the haircut yeah thank you channel members thank you guys for all your all your support and uh if this is your first time here i probably should have said this two and a half hours ago make sure to subscribe to the channel if you like van halen this is the place you want to be i mean this really i mean this this is the place this this is uh exclusively van halen the weekly evh show fridays 8 p.m eastern 5 pacific and it's also a podcast so you guys can actually listen to this as a podcast as well all right don't hang up you guys oh. <laughs> all right bye everybody see you guys tomorrow night it's Friday night thank you everyone have a good night bye-bye <laughs>